everyone and welcome to Comics from the Multiverse episode 217. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Let's do those comics. Indeed. Carter's also here. Yeah, I don't have quite that energy. Yeah. I mean, even I don't have that <laughs> I energy. I have my third cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, first two were not good. Third one is still not that good, but still. Maybe the fourth, I'll refine it enough. What's that old quote about uh, the definition of madness? <laughs> it's insanity. It's doing the same thing, expecting different results. Yes, but there you go. I I change the variables. It's like doing science. It's fine. <laughs> I changed the grind setting. I went from cold to hot. Well, the only reason Matt needs this much coffee in him is because he was up late last night. It's like mm-hmm. doing science. That's what he said. It's like, it doing, like doing science. science. <laughs> hey, hey, he defended that with the follow-up pretty well. Yeah. Talk about variables. That's that's, variables? that's hardcore. Oh, hard. He used a buzzword. He used the word variables. <laughs> variables is not a buzzword, Pete. It's like using hypothesis. I know what it means. Just because you know what it means like, it's not a buzzword. Use it as a buzzword. And, and the argument Carl just made, use it as a buzzword, buzzword to justify your science comment. Next we'll be talking about what's remaining is a constant. Were. Yeah. I, I took grind size and heat into account, and I tried to brew a better cup of coffee. It, it somewhat worked. So back to the drawing board. Uh, I hope there's a drawing board. I, was I hope there's a, a board in Matt's kitchen uh, with like red string going to things and. Not yet. <laughs> However, I did make a, co- uh, a cup of hot uh, Ethiopian, no, it was Burundi coffee, that that tasted almost um, almost like an air freshener. It had this weird floral to it, which was a first because usually I only drink my coffee. Uh, cold, but I've been fighting a allergy thing where my ears are plugged and my throat's sore, so I've been trying to drink hot in the morning. So that was a different experience. Um, I think I'm going to keep those to cold. They're better that way. Uh, well, let's start. This is a DC Comics podcast, uh, believe it yeah. or not. Uh, coming up on this okay. week's show, we'll be discussing... <laughs> We'll be discussing Strange Adventures issue 5, Deceased Dead Planet issue 3, Batman 98, Justice League 52, Shazam 14, Young Justice 18, and we got a new Black Label book in the form of Hellblazer Rise and Fall issue 1. Uh, and yes, I did read a Hellblazer book this week. Uh, we'll talk about that later. That makes one of us. Really? You didn't read the Tom Taylor book? No. Um, I'll wait to hear what you guys say, and then if I need to. The, the fact that it was $6... <clears throat> Seven dollars. It is uh, it pretty size. It's a premium price. Admittedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a higher price in a, a mm. week where I was already spending a little bit more because Shazam, Strange Adventures, um, Dead Planet. Well, that's not that much more. That's, that's that, price, isn't it? Do you know what this yeah. is? This is uh, just Matt retaliating because I didn't read Legion of Superheroes last week. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with Hellblazer. And I know it's Tom <laughs> Taylor. However... Um, I want to hear what you guys say, because I know Connor's the Hellblazer guy, Pete's the more Tom Taylor guy, so we'll see where those meet. <clears throat> yes. yes. I think the reality is Matt spent too much time this week watching hockey and didn't, and just... Really That's what I think it is, yeah. That, that, that's, it was a little too expensive <laughs> compared to the rest of my books. It's just it, a complete cop-out No, 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 hockey. it is column A, column B. I stood there in the shop going, <laughs> it is Tom Taylor. It's also $7. Tom Taylor, seven dollars. I became Kevin from that episode of The Office for a hot second. They asked yeah. me if I was okay. The reality so. is, though, if you'd had enough time, 
and you know you hadn't spent all of your week watching the hockey, you might have gone, well, I'll just get it on Comicsology and and read it. Maybe, but, maybe. but you did. It doesn't help. I spent some of my morning watching highlights of Mark Stone uh, digging fools out of their when, skates. When does this stupid <laughs> hockey season, this playoff season, end? Because we must be getting through well, it. Well, we just started. We've got at least seven more games yet. So, uh, well, so what's that? Like two weeks worth? Like, well, how many? So, so the Knights just beat the Canucks to go to the Western Conference Finals. They win four of those games. They go to the Stanley Cup Final. So we're halfway there, Pete. Okay, good. <laughs> The Canucks. But, but, I wonder where they're from. Must must yeah. be somewhere in the uh, the south. I I am glad now that I can uh, go back to to not hating them because they do have a great color combo and logo. Um, and out of all the teams in Canada, <laughs> I like them the most. I think. So that's that's, good. that's fair. Yes. Okay. Right. Well, the show <laughs> comic books. Uh, this is like a briefest tiny bit of news but not, nothing much we, we, we got all that out of our system in the last couple of weeks uh, uh we have fandom round two coming soon so you know we'll have more soon Electric Boogaloo. uh the 12th i believe there's the 12th is as we record exactly a week away hmm uh yes but everything's available right away so we should have the news for next episode depends on what time it goes live and how the handling because it's still video panels it's not just bullet points so news websites still have to go through all the panels manually and take their notes to do their headlines we'll have a a, a heads up thing going yeah i'm I'm, I'm sure everything's sure. i'm sure we'll know everything we need to know by the end of the show i'm, I'm gonna say that maybe it'll be a sort of running thing throughout the show but i'm i'm yeah, fairly we'll, confident we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes uh but yeah so yeah that's that's the show dc comments podcast episode 217 so much those changed in the world since episode 216. That's not true at all. I'm making that up. Uh, I mean, kind of, but we're not going to go into that. So, Well, I actually I did go to a movie theater this week, so I did do something. Holy Notable in the last week. Yeah. Um. So, one, one of the film shows I listened to, one of the guys is going through cancer treatments, and mm. they were talking about how, do he, how he's going to go see Tenet, you know, because it's a big movie and they want to cover it, and he doesn't want to go to a drive-in. And the other guy's like, well, I'm not comfortable with you seeing it, so let's see if we can get, like, a, a screener. He goes, well, that doesn't solve it. I want to see it on the big screen. So they go out, and and one of the guys, uh, the guy with the cancer treatment, ends up upsetting the other guy, and they do a betting segment. And he goes, you know what? I can just ruin your whole world, and if you lose this bet, I'll make you go see Tenet. And then it's a real gamble. Um, so... So yeah, uh, so Pete, how was mm-hmm. the, the theater experience? Did you take your life into your hands? Uh, I literally didn't touch a thing the entire time I was there. The, the, my my ticket was just an email which they scanned without nice. a- interacting with me. Uh, I went into a chair. There was <laughs> one other person in the theater. That's, that's good. Up the back, uh, it was kind of, kind of real surreal being there again, though, admittedly. Mm-hmm. It was, and walking out, everyone having masks and shit, it, just, it really does feel like we're living in some sort of weird dystopian future that you get in, like, a movie, wow. where everything's... <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that said, I'm giving Pete shit for this, but I was considering going to see Bill and Ted if it was playing in a theater. Game, oh, Bill and Ted. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm oh. not going for a while. The mm-hmm. earliest I'll go is maybe, and even this isn't sure, this is a 
see Bond. how I feel when it gets there. I'll be Bond in November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even because I've because I've never missed a Bond movie in the cinemas for as long as yeah. Know, I got, I got a trailer for that. It it looked like shit, but uh, uh, I didn't. Like she looks like. I did get fantastic. I did get a teaser um, trailer though for Dune, which did look very huh? good. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I do want to go see Tenet, and I might see how this week goes, and maybe because you know my theater that I normally go to, it was usually pretty dead during the day, so even even when it was a big busy movie. Well, I think uh, the combination of it being a time when it's normally dead, mm-hmm. plus the fact that a lot of people are skeptical of going. Uh, does yeah. mean that it's actually very quiet, and then the fact that they're also, you know, not using all the chairs because they want to have yeah distance between everyone. But also, so. um, Dunkirk is still fresh in my mind, and <laughs> I, I'm kind of not trusting Nolan as of right now as much as I used to. Um, I mean, it's so not yeah. it's not Dunkirk. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that, that's good. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I know. I, I saw. Definitely... In, I'm not saying it's bad or that I will d- agree with it. I saw enough people who were less than enamored with Tenet, that I was like, I don't need to risk myself well, over this one. I, I keep seeing that uh, it'll reward yourself over numerous viewings, and I'm like, that is not the movie we need in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I get it. I know there's people that like to go see movies multiple times in theater. Like, it's great, but, but not in 2020. Hey, what, what, like, once is at home, and you're, if you're still in lockdown, that's, that's a good thing. You've got plenty of time to rewatch the two-and-a-half-hour movie over and over again. Yeah, but... <laughs> But it's also Nolan, so you want to see it on the big screen where he takes advantage of everything. And, yeah, so I I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying anything in my opinion on it. I'm recording the review uh, tomorrow, yeah, should yeah. be. So uh, I'm keeping no, my mouth shut. Notice that neither was cared enough to ask. Um, no, but I knew what he was going to do. I've been doing this with him long enough. Yeah, that, I know, me too. Yeah, so. Yeah, uh, that's said a word. But, uh, yes. Uh, it's not Dunkirk. That, put that on the, the <laughs> poster. <laughs> um, no, I, I was really surprised at the, the Dune teaser, though, because it's not, that's not been online. That, that, that was something that where it started up, because it came up with the Warner Brothers logo and stuff, and I was like, oh, what's this? Because, like, you know, I'm usually familiar enough with all the big trailers that I usually... Because Wonder Woman played, right? And within a second, I'm like, oh, it's the Wonder Woman trailer that I saw a couple right. weeks ago. Uh, but I'm, like, I'm hearing this, this narration, I'm like, what is this? And then, like, I don't know what the, what the visual was that sort of told me it was Dune, but I was like, oh, this is a Dune teaser! Um, what was weird, though, is it said, like, on September, like, 9th, I think it said see the the full trailer so a teaser for a trailer played in the theater it was like a yeah. full minute long though so it still felt like a proper teaser trailer uh, it mm-hmm. didn't feel like one of those like 10 second things it was like yeah it had enough it had if you're familiar with the story in the book the, there's a bit with the putting the hand in the box early on uh mm-hmm. you see a little no bit idea of that. What that means i know nothing there's like there's lord of the rings which i know next to nothing about and then even below that is dune so... I, I was like that until somewhat recently where i actually read it and i was yeah. like holy shit this is actually really good mm. yeah so uh, and now i need to read the rest of them got uh got a teaser for that so that was exciting um so you know um uh, i mean i'll i'll go back occasionally i'll definitely be going as much as i usually do but like when dune comes out i'll probably yeah. go see that my, my problem as well as as well as having to do with the actual cinema elements of it i also have to use public transport to get to it yeah so it's like a whole extra layer oh, of, yeah. uh, I don't really want to do that. So, How far yeah. is your theater? Is it walk distance or no? No, it takes about 30 minutes uh, oh, on a bus. Probably, you yeah. probably get it like 20 in a car. but Yeah, yeah. but still. It's, it's, yeah. Not it's, it's not close enough to, to walk, let me tell you that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, well, we'll get on to uh, what little news there is. Uh, 
this week. One's just a businessy thing. They've hired a, a general manager who comes from Activision Blizzard. Yeah, Daniel is, Cherry is the... Basically confirming that, you know, esports rumor from a few weeks ago. Uh, pretty much, yeah. So Daniel Cherry is the name. Um, it's basically a new role, and it does kind of sell like it's more businessy side, which is kind of what I think I was saying more or less when people were freaking out about this. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's probably the business side. I thought that at first, but then when I saw some of the the things he's actually involved in, like he has control over editorial, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, you know less businessy, <laughs> I would say. Um, I say he's working alongside Jim Lee though, so that doesn't sound like he's coming in and taking over and. Yeah, it says Jim Lee will be taking on respons- uh, expanded, responsi- uh, expanded responsibilities surrounding the overall DC brand. So I don't know if he's kind of shifting to wider stuff and, and he's he's got more, you know, Cherry's got more of the day-to-day responsibility. Well, his role was always supposed to be more wider stuff. I mean, CEO was always designed to be the one who kind of like does the blanket of everything, not just the comic books. It was the, the relationship between the comics and the movies and the TV and all these other things. Um, and which, which is a role that Jim Lee took from Jeff Johns while still being co-publisher. Uh, so yes. it, I don't know. I, I, I have no reason to, to freak out just because he comes from an esports world. Doesn't mean that he's going to turn DC comics into esports. <laughs> like it just it doesn't work like that. that was ever the, complaint uh, i'd just be interested given that this guy has no that we know of no experience in in comics um i'd, I'd just be interested to see what decisions he makes if it is purely okay he's, he's in charge of the the business financial side of things that that means he might make some bad choices for for stories uh, we, we don't know yet obviously uh, he, he might not oh he could uh, but the internet's first response to these sort of things is to go to the worst possible case scenario, and I, I'm just I'm not on board for it. I'm not on board for the fear mongering that was on Twitter the second that there was even a hint of someone like this being hired. <laughs> That's the internet I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I still like yeah, it could go terrible. Anyone they hire could go terrible. But there's al- there's also no big giant red flags here of like ah, it's just going to come in and everything's going to feel like it's uh yearly Call of Duty, but in comic book form. <laughs> like, I don't know. No, just, nothing's uh, worrying like, me as of yet. No, not so much sales side, but if we get the excitement like that again, like, almost that was around three Jokers. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that'd be cool. I miss that. I miss, like, when Blackest Night was all the buzz and stuff. Like, that, that was fun. And so if, if he can do that, then sure. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, so that was the business thing, and then just something that I know would cheer up Matt is that Batman Day has been revealed for 2020. September 19th will be the day of the bat. They've got a lot of activities planned. I don't actually care about any of them. I just wanted to. Uh, you mean that's different than every other Wednesday? <laughs> well, the HBO Max, the the DC hub on there, is being rebranded as Batman stuff on the 18th and 19th. So. <laughs> you can go Granted, check that that's out, really all that's there right now is like 15 batman animated movies none of which i want to watch um yeah I guess, I guess i'll just watch harley quinn again i guess you finish it now no i still I have, I have three episodes left but i'm savoring them wait have you had the king shark one now then yes it was amazing oh so good um anyways uh this day always annoys me just because it feels not cynical. What's the word I'm looking for? Just like 
culprit. Yeah, and it's just like, hey, you guys like Batman? Guess what? It's Batman Day. Batman, Batman, Batman. Buy your Batman. I think, I think the problem with Batman uh, Day as a concept is that there's no reason for why now. It's just, there's, you know, it's just eh, because we said so. Like, it's right. not like because it's Batman. Specific, That's yeah. ultimately why. It, it is more on that later. Yeah. Um, but what, what's weird about this one as well for us is, is there's probably no comics things related to it this year beyond the obligatory comicsology sale. Mm-hmm. Um, because last year it was actually on Batman Day that they announced Tynan taking over the the, the new yeah. run, but this is coming a week after Fandom, where we're gonna have all the announcements anyway. So it's like, well, there's there's gonna be nothing comic related left for this. Nah, nah. I mean, like I say, I actually care about it. I just wanted to t- see it to Matt. Yeah, of course, I get it. I, was I remember up. getting into an argument with our friend James about Superman Day versus Batman Day, and I was like, there was no Superman Day, and he goes, yes, there was, because I went to my shops. So I was like, you're lying. And then he showed me all the stuff he got. And I was like, wait, my shop didn't even celebrate Superman Day. <laughs> that, and you need to have words for your shop. Yeah, well, and I did. So now anytime something comes through that's Superman related, I get asked. Yes, um, there was, there was spinner racks just all over the floors when Matt went on his rampage that day in 2017 I'm, I'm, or whatever it was. I'm, I'm surprised I'm still allowed to shop there, to be honest. <laughs> Just flaming dog turds coming in the windows. All sorts. Uh, <laughs> All right, you gotta, you gotta make it assemble, Pete. You gotta make it assemble. Uh. <laughs> yes, assemble of shit. Anyway, let's uh, uh, move on to the books then, I guess. Uh, we can move on with our lives. Uh, so, Strange Adventures, issue five. Tom King and Mitch Gerrard with Doc Shader. Uh Issue 5 of this, we're almost halfway through. This is kind of the Alana more focused issue, uh, which we're kind of expecting based on the cover. And although, despite the fact that it's definitely her issue, it's, it's definitely more of a focus on her, I still feel like it intentionally doesn't actually want to completely give her way or motivations or what's going on in her head. It's very much still playing it as it a... It definitely presents her as even less trustworthy than we were suspecting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think this this issue spends enough time with Adam as well that it balances enough that we're kind of just enough that it gives us a, what a, what what he's feeling and why he's there with her. Hmm? Yeah, it definitely shows her cutthroat side. Like it, if this is Game of Thrones, this is the episode where Cersei shows her hand, right? And you're yeah. like, oh no, she's just not wearing dresses and talking with people. She's running shit. And that's the vibe I got from here, even in the Shainer section, which we, we always, I was like, oh, this is the I more mean, positive spin. The darkest right? moment, or the darkest thing she says in the issue comes in the Shainer section. It's just when right. she says she'll kill them all after after yeah. they win. And that's what I'm saying. I'm like going like, wait, this is supposed to be like the bright and sunny. Hey, look what we did on Ran. Um, but it also shows how dedicated to the cause of uniting Rand she was, right? Like, she's not going to let the rock people get in the way. Yeah, she's, uh, she, her and Adam, and, and the, the, the Shader side of the story, they go to the rock people to try and form an alliance when they give their, you know, their, their proposal. They're, they're told to wait for a day, but Adam misunderstands and turns out a day down there is measured on, on the rocks and the waves above the rocks. rocks. Yeah. yeah. So it's actually a month in real time because it's actually tied to the moon cycle rather than anything else. And you know it's them surviving for for the month, killing cave alien rats for food, and mm-hmm. trying to find water. And it's a struggle to survive. Treating them into makeup. 
<laughs> yeah, meanwhile... That's pretty metal. Having a big sex scene. Yes, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, it's a big which, sex scene. Which, which I was used to with, with Garrett's, right, in Mr. Miracle. Even though it wasn't, like, really raunchy. It was um, intimate. Yeah, this, though, was just like, oh, geez. Where you're like, oh yeah, these are the stories. They're really trying to sell copies of this it's, book. It's played up in the book, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, Matt, Matt was getting all all flustered in public reading his comic. You have I, to go to the private. I did. I got a little red in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good boy. Can't be read this in public. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. Uh, and a lot of the, the, the stuff on present day on Earth is about kind of the, the politics of preparing for this uh, picked invasion that's coming. And there's a hearing where Alana goes, and after Martian Manhunter essentially gives the Superman speech of, you know, we will get through this, hope all the rest of it. Uh, all that jazz. Alana says, no, nope, bullshit. Like, this was the hardest fight we ever faced on Ran. Our technology was way ahead of what yours is now, and we still failed. And it's all, it, you know, it all feels very cynical and jaded, and, but ultimately there's a purpose, though. It feels like she's scheming. It feels like she's she's got a an intention in, in her words. And yeah. one of my favorite uh, page turns, I was going to say cut, because I think of page turns in a comic mm-hmm. as a cut. It's a camera cut. Um, it's when she's in the cave on on Ran with Adam, and they're holding hands. She's talking about uh, my love after this, uh, after this hell. You know, we will do all this together. Blah, blah blah. We will take our paradise. And then you turn the page, and it's the Garrett's page of her on the balcony, looking down at Washington and the bright light. She's in the dress and the heels, and it's it's almost like uh, it's sinister. It's yeah, it's sinister. Yeah. It's like instead of being like this paradise of like oh they found something happy. It feels like, no, her paradise feels a little bit more malicious than that. Like, she's taking control. There's, there's she's, almost she's an implication conquering. that, yeah, Earth is going to be her paradise. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, and for, but from the inside, you know, she's going to take control by, you know, although uh, maybe not, maybe we're going to find out she does have some sort of good pact with uh, the... That's it. Part of me feels like all of this is building to her not actually being as you know, mm-hmm. obviously evil is this is pointing more and more towards it's, her being. She's, yeah, the way that I'm reading it is she's a child of war, and then this is all she's known, and she's really good at it. She's gotten good at the politics side. So yeah, so to us, the uninitiated, it looks like she's making these big power moves, but it actually is going to be for protection, because unless she's also pulling both sides, like that picked robot showing up in Gotham, Mm-hmm. You know, like that's a pretty big deal, um, you know. But I still don't trust Rand, right? Because the the conversation that she and Adam have as, as he's on the way back to her, you know, as he's all in his his jetpack and whatnot, about what Mister Terrific did there and how he hit Sardath, and Adam's like, "Oh, Sardath, the the nicest man I've ever met," and it's almost like he's been brainwashed mm. by by their culture and whatnot, and. Um, but no, I definitely feel she's an ends justify the means and that if the picks are the actual big bad and it's not ran, then she's doing this all for a reason. Um, and, and she'll be justified soon enough. Yeah. You mentioned the, uh, the, the, the robot, the drone that appears in Gotham that, you know, the, 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 the cameras spot Batman fighting and that's kind of, that's kind of what gets all this stuff going. That's the idea that the mm-hmm. invasion's finally coming. There's actually like a, a scout that's been sent ahead and mm-hmm. so it's very convenient, doesn't it? Yeah, so... And it also makes me wonder of of how much King's tipping his hand of, like, how the CIA operates. 
you know like if if this I mean, is stuff that that's just normal it's when you're uh, an agent. it's very easy or it's it's hard not to compare this to say uh bush playing at some yeah potential weapons of mass destruction and being like, well, you know, there's there's stuff there. We need we need to do something. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it feels hard not to draw those parallels. It's the it's the justification. Right. There's like something she can point to and say, hey, this is why we have to take these precautions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you know, she's making the Justice League look, look bad. She said, hey, the Justice League say we've got this. You know, we've we've fought all these enemies from all these various parts of the universe, and uh, like we'll get through it. And she's basically trying to convince everyone that as as good as they are and as as powerful and as tough as you think they are, you really are just going to sit around and like do nothing and hope that your hero is going to save you. He's not going to like actually band together and do something mm-hmm. about this. Um, yeah. And also, I mean, just to go back to that love scene because I'm just I happen to be on that page right now. Is they they've been dehydrated and they have this love scene after they find water. They were able to actually sort of like break some rocks apart and mm-hmm. they get some water coming through. And I'm like, yeah, because when you're dehydrated and you've been barely surviving off cave rats, you've got the energy for some sex after you have one drip of water. Well, who knows what's in that water, man? <laughs> it's just uh, laced with Viagra. Yeah. <laughs> Adam passes out because he only has enough blood to operate either you've got a choice either you're conscious or your dick is you can't have both exactly um but yeah no but again that's i wasn't expecting that out of shaner right because shaner is the more comic book traditional silver age where that wasn't a thing in the silver age right like you know if there was a a love scene it was a kiss and a hug Hmm. you know not not a full-on nastiness in a cave you know so yeah. Even the way she's like making a drink as she's talking to Adam over comms as he's flying back from some superhero business. Yeah. And you know, she's waiting with just you know, she's got the two glasses ready and Elans and it just it feels like all of this scheming It, it feels like the Manchurian candidate, man. Oh like, but yeah, it feels like a yeah. like a political thriller where she's been scheming throughout the day and mm-hmm. you know, him going off and fighting stuff with the flash. It's, it's just background. It's literally a panel, you know, as she's yeah. talking to someone else. Uh um, it's very much what it is. Also, also back in the scene on the balcony where she's talking with someone from the government, yeah, where she's out there smoking, and she's like, "Oh, is is that allowed here?" And the person from the government's like, "Oh, I mean, it was traditional for the lawmakers to come out and have a celebratory cigar after passing a hard, you know, resolution." Yeah, it it was intention the 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 idea of uh, members from opposite parties that you know would. Kind of right. all right. Well, job's done now. We might as well just relax and right. you know, have well, a and, it, and is there symbolism right. there in her doing it on her own? Then, if it's supposed to, exactly. you know, traditionally both parties, they're the opposing sides of a of a debate, whatever it may have been. Mm-hmm. The right. fact that she and comes so, out here so does I her do own. like that that they draw that there that she's working. You know, this is not all what it's cracked up to be. You know, like... even just uh, mathematically, the idea of smoke, like. Uh, covering things up, you know, like, you know, like you'd be well, used she, to obscure things. She's, she says that too, that it's something about the air that it's different here. And that's why she, it's it too reminds clear her. is kind of what she says, basically. Yeah, Not in so many words, but the, if the, the smoke makes it feel like more man. familiar. So then which, the implication there is the air is cleaner. And... Right. Which makes me wonder what the hell's happening on Rand that they're this civilized, right? This 
far ahead technologically. You know, is it an atmospheric thing? Is yeah, it, it, it could be just war. It could be. There's nothing wrong. It could be just their normal atmosphere, right. and and this is different. Um, mm. but I think it's notable that that comes again after the the paradise kind of beat. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, and and okay, oh. she's kind of making it feel more like home, but this is better than home almost. Right. Well, it also gives her that femme fatale. You know, it cuts her that figure. Oh, there's yeah, a lot of that, yeah. Classic, yeah. yeah so... Not so much in the the flat, yeah, the, the book stuff, but in the present day stuff, she's constantly mm-hmm. got femme fatale sort of looks and poses yeah. and so kinda... it's it just drives that home as well. Even the cover with her on it, it feels like an old detective like book cover. Yeah, you know. Yeah, which also makes me think because like, no one would typically think of a press conference as a you know as, as a paradise you know idyllic mm-hmm. type of scenery like a setting, but right. Somehow, Gerrits, through you know the coloring and the idea of all the camera flashes and whatever you know we're justifying with the the slating and the panels, for some reason Adam been up there at a press conference talking about this new task force that the president's letting them yeah. sort of run. It feels like a dreamlike, like you know, like this is the paradise mm-hmm. she's she's building towards, where he's got yeah. this powerful position. I think uh, a lot of it is the soft colors. You know, it's all kind of gold glow. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's very much you know traditionally associated with good things right that so you know gold uh, and it's that glow right. and it's soft and there's it's, it's not all like harsh lighting it's a really soft yellow that, yeah, um, typically you know when you have a scene like this in a book or a movie or whatever this would be a very sterile scene almost you know you'd have it'd be a lot of like grays and whites and it'd be very you know it, it tends to be more stark and harsh whereas a very intentional thing here to to have it feel a bit more i guess happy a bit more dreamlike I think what's an interesting choice is the yellow, because if I have seen this done before where they want it to feel, you know, nicer uh, than, than kind of the way you, you just described it, and they'll typically do it with greenery, uh, you know, and have, you know, the, the nature feel of, you know, like trees and, you know, grass mm-hmm. around them a lot, and, and mm-hmm. that'll give it a more natural feeling. So this here, because the, the, the gold, it's it's still unnatural. Uh, it's, it's not a natural way of achieving this at all. But it's also warm, yeah. you know? So it's it, warm. It, it's I, like what, it's... I did like what Connor said there about it being unnatural, though, because the, the gold mm-hmm. does cover up the action. Because they can actually see some bushes in the, you know, in the frame. There's, there's, they are there, but their their colors completely masked and, by the gold. I think it's really notable as well when we have the the. I think it's the second panel on that page. It's the, the close up on the the journalist asking the question. Uh, he is not completely tinted gold in in the same way that everyone around him is, and mm-hmm. it's the same on the top panel. Like, you know, Adam and whoever's flanking him. They're kind of, uh, obs- they're not obscured by the glow either. They kind of look like they're, you know, they've got a little bit of a tint, don't get me wrong, because it's just, you know, the lighting around mm-hmm. them. But they look normal as opposed to the crowd, which are this kind of just entity of, you know, this sea of gold. Uh, and, and again, it's it's when you get the focus on the journalist, it focuses in on him and he becomes a bit more real uh, because Right. Of well, and then when you go you get to the end too, where it kind of bleeds in to the unified ran. Yeah, the, I wonder. The unified brand image kind of has a lot of that, where the colors are are kind of blending together, and it's wispy and dreamlike kind of too. Yeah, I wonder you if know? um, you know, the idea one that this paradise that she's kind of creating is kind of forced, and therefore it's this mm-hmm. fake sheen over the top of things, um, and also then the idea that all of the people until they're focused on are just part of the masses and. You know, if she is thinking like uh like someone who's been in a war, if she's thinking of people as just part of an army or part of a, you know, a a whole for which you fight a war with, then ultimately they do just all blend into a seamless, you know, crowd of of people, oh. right? 
you know, but they always say war is hell, right? And you talk to service people that have been over there and been in it, and then you talk to certain politicians that make it seem like it's this glorious thing when it couldn't be more from the truth, Which right? Which is interesting from her perspective, though, because she actually mm-hmm. was in the thick of it on Ran. Right. Uh, but right. she, but you're like, what you're saying here is that yeah, she's kind of like, because because we're kind of viewing a lot of this from her perspective, even though she's not in this scene. I mean, she's even mentioned by the reporter. You know, one of the questions is about why she's not there or whatever, and he said, "Oh, she's already working hard." But one of my favorite things in the book as well is earlier when she was talking to Adam on comms and talking about how oh, this ridiculous investigation by uh, Terrific, and she should Brent mentions like what we saw from Terrific on the uh-huh. on Ran. Um. I love this dismissal from her and a couple of scenes. I think there's one here when she's maybe, or no, she's just looking at terrific in this scene when he's on TV. I think but, it's, it's Adam that dismisses it because he mentions, yeah. oh yeah, my understanding is that they're actually really close to completion yeah. uh, with their, their investigation. No, but and before it's all that, be fine. No, but before that, she also dismisses it as yes. something that's going to be over soon and she dismisses it in a number of ways. And I think that's important because would he be dismissing it on TV if she hadn't already dismissed it to him? Right. Possibly not. Um, and I think that's a really interesting thing. Because part of me was getting excited because I'm like, I think this is where you're going to fail um, because you're assuming that Mr. Terrific mm-hmm. and Batman in the league are going to just well, you know, let this drop. Mr. Terrific could read pick. Yeah. Right? They even bring that up. <laughs> do you know, do like... you know what I'm getting between the, the three characters here? I'm getting Macbeth vibes. Sure. And she's Lady Macbeth, yeah, right? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Connor, I want to bring up too that where she's making the drink. That's definitely an old-fashioned, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's Garrett's. Uh, I tweeted at Garrett's, like, damn it, yeah. Garrett's. Now I want one. <laughs> yeah, like, the orange in the background, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, she, she you know, does does the orange twist, and, you yeah. know, I'm like, damn it. Yeah. I mean, could have at least included your, your recipe, Garrett, while you were at it. <laughs> yeah, right? I, just, I saw that, and I was like, oh, Connor, he's going to... Yeah, you know he's gonna pick up on that too. So I thought that was funny, it was no, it was really noble because obviously it spent like three panels just focusing on the yeah. making of it, and it was like it was like not well, not trying to hide it or anything. Which no, it, actually in these sorts of sequences in books uh, and comics, they'll just have oh, it's a drink. You know they won't focus right. on it; it'll just be in the background. Uh, Garrett's cares. Well, if you follow, yeah, if you follow him, you know. It yeah. also reminded me of how to drink where, with the the close ups when they mix the drink there. Like mm. it just it's a really clear, nice shot, and then like. His coloring over that whole section, because they're in the desert, um, where I mean, wherever they are, it's very Ran-esque, which I think is also uh, I, I think interesting. A, a great juxtaposition between her and the outside, because obviously you've got mm-hmm. we, we're cutting back and forth between Adam jetpacking his way back to her, at uh, least mm-hmm. going over like the the desert and wherever he is, and it's it's this sun golden red hues. Uh, you know, warm, natural, you know, light. Uh-huh. And then anytime it cuts back to her, it's a lot harsher green. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and not a natural sort of green. It's the the artificial lighting of it. Uh, yeah. I think it's, it's really... It's almost, really like go, it's almost go away green. Like at Disney, anything they don't want you to see at, look at, they kind of paint this green because you don't want to look at it. So it is like this weird... Kind of make you like not oh, notice it. Yeah, the final yeah. the final scene of the book though, as as this press conference is wrapping up, we see Terrific with Alana, and I suspect that we're maybe going to find out next issue what he's telling her or what he's you know what yeah. he's found that he's bringing up. But the last uh, page that we get is basically at this, this ceremony, this wedding or whatever it is, uh, on Ran, sort of showing this unification, and we've got Alana and Adam with their daughter. Uh, with Alina, mm-hmm. uh, watching this. And, you know, the last line is very ominous. It says, my little girl, look long, 
you'll remember this for the rest of your life with life bolded and you know part of we've been kind of speculating is she really dead was there something else that happened blah blah and this just flows through like the fire because i'm like well that life could be bolded because she is dead and this is really bittersweet and like you know kind of a you know it's going to be fuel for so much of the motivations that we have in present day or if there is some weird conspiracy some sort of secret that's different from the you know the, the what's been spouted so far no. then it's also kind of interesting now, now that you point that out, it is weird that this is over what looks like an arranged marriage between the Helotat and the Stone People. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I'm almost wondering if if Sardath or or even Alana used her as a bargaining chip, and even Adam doesn't know. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's possible. And I think like, it's it's really interesting on this last page, like um just in general, the crowd, as opposed to the one at the press conference, mm-hmm. look how green it is. Yeah. Look how it feels natural. But what's mm-hmm. really interesting is she actively points out, oh, you know, it's like something I, I never dreamed I'd see, something like this. Mm-hmm. And and the dream is bolded. And, oh. and it's it's a nice contrast between what we were talking about earlier, where it felt dreamlike because of the unnaturalist uh, color. Whereas right. this here feels more natural in the art, oh. but the dialogue is telling us the opposite. Yeah. And I'm also getting from her dialogue here, she's not as world weary yet, too. You know, like yes, she she told the the rock people she'll come and destroy them all, right? That, and that leads up to this. Mm. But also, should there is that hope there? There's still that optimism for a better ran. Versus where I feel like where we see her in present day, that's someone that's seen some shit. She's very cynical about how everything works. So I wonder if whatever happens with the daughter is what drives her here, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I also, maybe this is a minor thing, but I also, maybe worth pointing out that the daughter's outfit is predominantly yellow, and I don't know if there's maybe yeah. a, an intentional colouring thing there with a lot of the stuff in present day having a yellow sheen over it, kind of yeah. like it's all, it's all, you know, clouded by the backstory mm-hmm. that they have with their daughter. Um, I think, um, honestly, I would say in this context, yellow is the neutral color. Because uh, for the, the 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 flashback stuff, Adam's color is is obviously red, and mm-hmm. uh, Alana's is blue. And but both of them have yellow as the offset color. Uh, so that's kind of the the neutral, and that's kind of the the, the middle ground here. And um, you know, uh, Aaliyah, she's predominantly yellow, but has red at one end uh, and then blue on the bottom. Uh, mm-hmm. in her outfit and it feels like okay so yellow is this this combination like she's almost like she hasn't chosen a side yet so she's predominantly one thing i could see that it still works with uh the idea that the, the color yellow the idea that yellow is kind of something they shared so the daughter you know is mm-hmm. represented by yeah. yellow and then you have that right. be kind that's of that's how i took it yeah this color that's then dominating everything you know it's clouding everything in present day uh not every scene in present day because there's been scenes that's been other mm-hmm. colors but there's been a lot of yellow in this issue which is why i'm mentioning it yeah uh so no there you go uh very strong issue and uh, not a surprise really at this point um no. matt what are you giving strange adventures issue five uh, i'm giving this one a nine connor uh 8.5 from me i'm probably gonna agree with 8.5 um i think it's really strong and i like it more after we talked about it which is kind of true for almost every mm-hmm. issue of a tom king 12 issue book <laughs> but yeah yeah uh uh, but it's not, it doesn't stand alone as notably as some of the other ones do, um, I think, so far. Nines are typically reserved for, oh, that was amazing, like, when I come out of it. Um, 
this you know 8.0 is really really good um but it's just not quite at that next level is it Deceased Dead Planet issue three. Tom Taylor, not to be confused with Tom King, uh, who we just yeah. uh, had. Uh, also, I said refused. They're not confused. Uh, so let's just move on with our lives. Uh, Trevor here signing on the art. Um, you know, uh, we had the big, big, big reveal last issue of Plastic Man. Uh, you know, that's not, that's that's no river. <laughs> that's not blood. It's plastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had the payoff to it this time. And I have to say. Zatanna burning it all with Hellfire uh, as the almost the thing-esque kind of like contortions mm-hmm. of the plastic trying to survive in the fire. Uh, or cool even shit. Maybe another example. I'm, I'm thinking kind of the thing trying to survive in fire but also maybe like the T-1000 and the, the molten yeah. metal. Yeah. yeah, that kind of vibe. Uh, digging that a lot. Uh, so yeah, we get introduced to this uh, basically some billionaire villains who have survived in Australia and that's why the green's disturbed here. Uh, the floric man's been kind of used as a sort of, basically just a, a vegetation device. <laughs> I think they're just yeah, using so him to grow food yeah, over and over and right. over again. He, he's a production thing, and that pisses Swamp Thing off. Yeah, so, a so, lot. Yeah, he he beheads Maxwell Lord with like one <laughs> one simple I, squeeze of a vein. I love the uh, the sound effect for that. Was a pop. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No, all this was delightful. I mean, I don't want to gloss over the first half too much because the art of uh, Plastic Man on fire yeah, so, was glorious. Yeah, so the, you know, combining this with, with uh, Suicide Squad, we definitely see uh, Taylor's stance on, on billionaires using <laughs> resources to their advantage in a yeah. not-so-good way. Which, I, I, you know, I just saw 2019 in movies described as, you know, Eat the rich was the theme of of the of the yeah. year. Uh, Tom Taylor's running with that and and going no, this this yeah. is the comics this year. And, but I do like the characters that are because who's that penguin and Max Lord, yeah. and um, Jason Blood. So I was trying to pick, figure out some other ones. Which you're more of the magic side of things, Connor. Is Jason Blood like a rich guy too? Yeah, I didn't know, I, yeah, I didn't old, know that actually. English aristocrat sort of fella, isn't he? Uh, okay, yeah, I, I, it, I, it's, I think it's more just the idea of. He's that old. He's built up that much wealth. Yeah, I, I, I never, sense. I never thought of him as being rich. So that that I mean, stuck out to me. I, I don't it, it recall got us... if he started off like you know when he was younger. If he was always like that, I don't recall that no. part. I think it's just you know over the years he just built up wealth. He lives in a goddamn castle, you know. Right, and that, and that's fine. But it, it got us to the demon. It got us Etrigan in this book. So, and and what that hints at, which is stupidly exciting to me, that. And, also confirms that Tom Taylor says Constantine, not Constantine, because that that is right. obviously a running debate amongst people. Uh, no, well, it's not. A, no, 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 no. It's not a debate. There's people who are wrong, and there's people who say Constantine. That's it. I mean, it's over. There's there's the creator <laughs> who says Constantine. Constantine. He's wrong. Right. And <laughs> I, I'm you not know what? to say you no. can pick fights with Alan Moore all you want. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to be cursed. No, thank you. Look, he's he's <laughs> wrong, and while we're on it, the creator of the GIF tried to say it's pronounced Jeff. No, it is GIF. You are wrong. I, no, <laughs> here's the thing. If you want to play into this, though, of Constantine, Constantine, <laughs> have fun with it like Taylor does here. By answering it well, in the form of a rhyme. But but not even that. It's He tells Etrigan, I don't got time for your rhyming bullshit, dude. And he does it anyways, almost 
to spite him. So maybe it is Constantine and not Constantine. But Entrigan uses it as a rhyme to annoy him. So either way, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't really yeah. matter. Yeah, so anyway, right? the, the thing that this reveals, though, and again, this is Taylor just using more and more of the DC universe. Just when you thought there was no corners left for him to, you know, find something else. Here we go. So basically, hell is pissed because none of the souls are going to hell uh, during the undead apocalypse. And as a result, Trigon is upset yep. and is possibly coming to wreak havoc on everyone. So I love the idea of Trigon as a Lovecraftian nightmare. So like I'm not not big on him as a uh, as a being for the Teen Titans to fight, right? But I love him as an idea that causes madness and is, you know, Raven's burden and whatnot. So if that's the direction they're going here, although him standing there looking like a, a proper demon was a pretty good visual. But yeah, just the idea that he's pissed and he's gonna burn the earth. Yeah, that was cool. That's some, yeah. that's some. I mean, not not to spoil everything, but you know, this is not the only book I read this week with Trigon in. And it's it's notable how, how much better he is here. <laughs> Um, no, I'm, not, I'm not naming any names of, of what book Trigon may or may yeah. not be showing up in later on. Wait, hard. But, but, that read, but, there's only one book Matt didn't read, though, right? Oh, uh, two. Didn't read yeah. Justice League. But... He, you didn't read it either. Well, what did you read? There's something. We'll, we'll get there later. Okay, so... But there's nothing um, on the list. Why don't you tell me you add something to the list? Because I didn't listen to you when you did the list. I just assumed. <laughs> <laughs> you think I listened to you? Uh, well, we know now you don't. Well, it's not getting um, timestamped. It's not on my list. It's not getting timestamped. So, uh, it'll just be a weird anyway, blank section in the timestamps. And it's Connor's sure, fault. Yeah. Uh, what else have we come out this week? Doesn't matter. Like, so yeah. there's a scene with Damien and uh, Gordon, which is quite nice. Yeah. Uh, nice. Where Damien goes in for a hug. And they, they, but yeah. what really made this work for me was the, the, the dialogue afterwards. Where it's like, hey, it's a good job. No one, you know, no one, none of the villains figured out that you could just get rid of Batman with some intimacy. And Jim's like, ah, yeah, if you, you know, he could be scared out of Gotham with a pat on the shoulder. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I love it's that. It's weird seeing Damien this emotionally secure. Like, don't get <laughs> me wrong, I think Damien has the potential to be this. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just so used to seeing him still in angry teenager phase that it's weird seeing right, him. Right, but when, when you grow up in, you know, Superboy's your best friend who becomes Superman, you know, like, it, it changes you. You're, you're dragging kicking and screaming into emotional maturity. Yeah, and and I kind of like that because that makes sense for Damien, that he would he wouldn't want to become his father, so he does the opposite. That's yeah. what type of kid he is. Uh, John wakes up from his injuries, uh, hangs out with Mary Marvel. Not much to say, but you know, it's there. Uh, yeah, I I did like that because it kind of teases. I, I always love when they pair up the Shazam family with the Super Family. Mm-hmm. So the fact that that's that's there, I like them interacting. But anyway, who do the billionaires have around but Professor Ivo? And what does that mean? It means Amazos. <laughs> Multiple yeah. Amazos. Uh, so the the team retreat, thinking, like, we'll have to come back and deal with these billionaires at some point. But they've, they've got an entire assembly line. We see, like, you know, dozens and dozens. We're probably meant to assume there's hundreds of Amazos under their yeah, control. Yeah, and this, an is, army. this is the problem. Because their plan is just, well, we've got Amazos, let's go wipe out all the zombies and we can go back and have the world to ourselves. Which I actually quite like that that knows about saving the zombies, bizarrely. I think that's a nice yeah. touch. Yeah, because, like, a few issues ago, if 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 this plan had been in the, uh, 
what was the other mini that we had in between them? Uh, unkillables. Uh, unkillables, yes. If this plan had been in there, we'd have gone, oh, this is a great plan. This is exactly what they should be doing. Yeah, it seems harsh, but mm. hey, you know. Yeah, but now we, now we have the tease that there's a cure, mm-hmm. and that, you know, the souls aren't going to hell, which means they're probably also not going to the other place. Which, yeah, which so, means they're not going anywhere, which means yeah, they're still in there. They're retrievable, right. yes. Um, exactly. So having the Amazos kill them all now is a superhero problem, and they have to save the day, which I love that it's a post-zombie story, right? It's not about the zombies anymore. It's back doing superhero shit. It's back to superheroes. We just happen to be saving zombies now. Yeah, and yeah. it all leads to Constantine going to Mr. Miracle. This is the first part of the plan. He goes with Bobo. Uh, and... they, need, they need the other half. So if there's an anti-life equation... Right, there must be a life equation. Yeah, they're hoping that yeah. the mother box uh, is yeah. going to help some answers, and he's got one. And basically, you know, Constantine, he says, you know, Superman, you'll come in to play later, probably saving everything. But he's like, hey, Wonder Woman, uh, Wonder Woman being Cassie, of course, uh, I need to borrow something. And, you, you know, you assume it's probably the last one, but you don't actually get to see it yet. And it's not until he's in the scene with Mr. Miracle, who is so jaded, Bard is gone, he is miserable, he's got the big caveman hair, the beard, all the rest of it. And he said, hey, there's a way to save her. And Mr. Miracle doesn't, you don't really believe him, but he holds up the lasso in his hand and says, ask me. So it's kind of this this play to like, get him on board, to get Scott Free on board. Um, and I like that. So, you know, the ending is basically oh. this alliance kind of forming and, like, yeah. yeah. And right, because I like that in... everyone knows Constantine enough that without that lasso, no one's believing a word that oh, comes sure. out of his mouth. No, of course not. But I also love that out of everybody that escaped this, you know, virus, because we saw Mr. Miracle go down. You know, with with the rest he was of the, in the Justice bar, League, wasn't he? He was in the Oblivion Bar. Yeah, yeah. With with Beetle and Barda and all of them, and he still managed to escape it. And so, you know, there's something with the new gods that that counteracts this. You yeah. know, well, I say, of, um, of course, Mister Miracle escapes even even this death, right? Because he escapes. But there there is there is precedent here though, because we did see Slade's healing factor held it in check numerous times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, until finally he. He, you know, had no more head, so you know, there's no more, <laughs> nothing much else to, to do. Yeah, so, no, honestly, there are limits to this. When you're you in know? a zombie apocalypse situation, you really have to keep your head on, otherwise. You do. You do. Otherwise, you that's quite well. though. It's it, that's yeah. like the one rule in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, heads even, are the most important. Part. Even for the zombies, they have to keep their heads on, or they're screwed. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it makes it makes all sense. Uh, so that's issue two. I liked that a lot. I because issue two had the great ending, but I thought it was maybe a maybe maybe a bit of a quieter issue in the first chunk, right? Even though it was about the cure being a thing. He's, I I do feel like Taylor is leaning into more of these. I don't want to say shock for shock value, but like the first issue ended with Connor or not Connor with John getting stabbed through, right? And it looks dire. The second issue ended with uh, Zatanna looking like she was gone down, inhaling a, a chunk of plastic man. You know, but I do feel like he's definitely leaning more into that side of comic storytelling versus what he's been doing, which is cool. Yeah, there's, there's not one of surprises. those cliffhangers in this issue, though. Uh, no. I, I think it's a more consistent issue because we have the action mm-hmm. actually a bit more spread out with the you know the zombie stuff yeah. at the start and then the Amazo stuff maybe two-thirds through. Yeah, that's all I was really trying to say is I think this issue is more even uh, overall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's interesting with the pace and the way it cuts back and forth because we got all the stuff with the you know those characters in the bunker, but we cut back to the main camp and see you know yeah. John, for example, I, and whoever. 
I also feel like Harrison, while doing all the cool zombie stuff, some of the facial stuff in this one was a little bit of a step back. So that that's just personal preference. I've I've always thought his faces were a bit off, but yeah, but but it's been pretty. The first two issues were pretty consistently decent. Mm-hmm. And this one, like, not that it felt rushed, but definitely felt more of the hit the hair sign vibe. Like he was a little bit looser than than he has been. So yeah, yeah. All right, Matt, what are you giving it? Uh, I'm gonna give it an eight. Connor, it's uh, another eight point five from me. I'm going to agree with Matt this time and go with the straight. Uh, really good. I, I love how Taylor keeps finding new things to use in this universe from DC's like wide, you know, history. Uh, so that's the Dead Planet issue three. Batman 98, James Tynion the fourth, Jorge Jimenez on the art. Uh, we're building up to that issue 100, and we're about halfway through the Joker War now. And we have Batman in kind of his, you know, vision quest state, uh, lying there in Ivy's... balls on ayahuasca. <laughs> and we have Harley and Punchline, and I think Harley's uh, bad names for, for Punchline are getting better. Uh, so what she called up... Yeah. What, was, what she call her? Punching, Punching bag. bag. Yeah, I yeah. like that. That was, that was, that was kind of way, actually. Well, and... We got more of the, you know, you don't know Joker. I know Joker. You can think you do, and it almost it really defined Punchline more. Yeah, and I like it with Punchline kind of being like, no, you just want everyone else to be making yeah. the same mistakes you did, so it makes you feel huh. better. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm I like that I, back and forth. I'm inclined to believe Harley <laughs> a bit more, especially since... Yeah. When Harley says, uh, when because they're, they're obviously they're fighting as they're doing this, you know, Punchline's got a flamethrower, there's all this stuff going on. Harley eventually kind of makes a final point uh, towards the end, where she says, no matter what you do, he will never care about you more than he cares about that bat. Uh, and it's that thing where I'm like, yeah, Harley's right. And Punchline is so blinded by her idolism of Joker uh, to, to see past that. Um yeah. And I like that she summed up the difference between herself and Punchline as well. She, she says, um, I thought Mr. J had a heart. You think he has a brain. Yeah. And it, it shows that difference. You know, for, for Harley, it was a, an emotional connection. Whereas yeah. uh, Punchline, it, it's not in the same way. It's, um, it's but an intellectual. It's... He's got it. Yeah. Well, I also like that it seems that Tynan's taking on the people that think the Joker's a hero in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, guys, at the end of the day, he's a psychopath. So stop reading into it. Like he doesn't have anything figured out. He's out there to cause as much chaos as he can. Yeah, yeah. And is so, actually good. You know, when we start off in Batman's yeah. head, uh, he's like welding something, and I thought the glow and the sparks of the the welding looked really good. Yeah, uh, yeah I and I do uh, love how it, he's. Go ahead, Connor. So I was gonna say, is it uh, Moray on the colors still? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, if we if we're complimenting the the sparks and stuff, especially. Uh, yeah. Deserves a shout out. I, I also love that Batman going through and and uh, what's sort of for like he's ra- not rationalizing, but he's going over um, Alfred's death, right? But he's going to like these happy times where he just figured out batterings, you know, and and it's an yeah. earlier, more pure stage of him being Batman, and he's almost looking to Alfred for approval. Like, hey, look at the stuff I figured out, you know, and, and it, it was kind of, it was weirdly heartwarming and heartbreaking at the same time. Yeah, I was a little, cons- like, no. I was a little concerned after the last mm-hmm. issue that, I mean, I enjoyed the last issue, but I was a little bit worried that sometimes these kind of all in their head things can, can just yeah. kind of, like you can see what they're trying to do, but it's overused to the point where it kind of falls flat a lot of the time. And, and it wasn't that long ago we suffered through nightmares. 
Yeah. Uh, I actually think this did a really good job to the point where, by the, the time it makes its point at the end, where, because I, I think one of my favorite, you know, moments of the week is probably when, you know, Batman says, I, you know, I, you know, Alfred's like, give, try to give him the pep talk. He goes, you, you can save the set, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I can't do it alone. And he's like, well, don't. <laughs> like, you've got a family, don't. Uh, and, you yeah. know, he points out that I'm not really Alfred, I'm just you in your head. So, the idea that right. Batman in his own head is like, yeah, I'm being a bit of an idiot. Why why am I, Why do I keep trying to do this on my own? Like, I've got an entire family of people. Uh, so, the idea of, like, getting to issue 100 and sort of, like, kind of celebrating the unity of the Bat family in some way is, uh, I think, very, very much plays to my, uh, my tastes, I think. Um, but, you know, yeah. so I actually think both sides of this issue worked really well. I thought the, the stuff in Batman's head was really good. I thought the fight between uh, Harley and Punchline was was good, particularly the, the dialogue and the way they were kind of going over yeah. their histories and what was different yeah. about them. Well, I, um... Go on, Matt. I was going to say, I, I do like, I said it before, but I like Tynan. This is his mission statement for Harley versus Punchline, right? How they oh. are different. And I like how that comes about through a, a fight or a conversation between them. Like that's really smart. Like he's he, it's given me shades of, of detective comics, mm-hmm. you know, of the some of the stuff that he did there to get with the characters and like the whole thing of him coming to family, right? And that's almost kind of Harley also being part of that weirdly now. Like she's this weird step member. She, she kind of she's, she's kind of point. fitting into the 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 role where Catwoman was ten or fifteen years ago. Yeah, yeah, because because we're at the point now with Catwoman where she's actually so far gone that she's with in the lair with the villains, she's, and she's like, yeah. "No, we're going to help goddamn Batman now. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're going to well, let me out of here, and we're going to do this." She's actual Bat family member because yeah. that is, you know, she, yeah. she's the mom now. I think you yeah, know, like the difference right now between Catwoman and Harley in in that scale of things is mm-hmm. Catwoman's we're going to help Batman, and Harley's like, "I need Batman to help me." Yeah. Right. Right, but I do like that's why I said she's this weird step member of like super far removed from the Bat family, but it still reinforces what Bruce is coming at that she you're going to need help as close as Jason is. Sure, that's, I would say even closer, you know, at, at certain points, but um, because she's the one that got him out of this, right? She's the one that brought him into Ivy's hideaway, you know, and gave him the stuff to to give get him there to purge the toxins you know so but like you said yeah it's it's she's still acting out of self-interest it's not about gotham versus um Catwoman. but no but no i just again it's super solidly written and then jimenez is just yeah. i can't ask for I, a better artist yeah i thought all of the dialogue all the stuff with alfred and bruce uh and it's not really alfred of course it's just you know bruce's own inner psyche but which you kind of except at one point yeah but I, I i almost everything that once it got to a certain point uh in the last like few pages of it like almost everything was clicking for me in a way where so many writers try and do kind of this emotional stuff with batman but this idea of like the burden you put in yourself with the the, the, sort of the promise you made after the death of your parents is eating away at you and it's not that you shouldn't have the hope of building something better or saving people but it's that you're never going to like control everything so accept what you can control um, and every time you save someone, every life you save is a victory against death. It's a victory against the Joker. Like everything about it, I just felt like this sort of redefining of accepting what Batman is to himself, which is why I think when he wakes up in time to save Harley, and I love this page. I love the you know the, the, the I mean forgetting the fact that it says Batman in the the, the cape, right? 
but even just the, mm. the classic you know batman thing of like just sort of like being big and scary and then wrapping the cape around the whoever he's you know taken out i love and hate this moment i love the <laughs> i love the, the sequential storytelling the way the the panels above it are getting smaller and smaller it's counting down to this moment mm-hmm. and the, the you know the the i'm batman uh the, the way the Batman is splashed across the cape, it is every part of him is Batman in that moment. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I hate the whole I'm Batman thing just, just because, you know, it, this is because <laughs> Batman, isn't it? Of, how did you get rid of those toxins? It's not possible you had so much oh, because Batman. Well, no, but it's because Harley, though. Like, really? like Yeah, Harley gave him some stuff, and then I like the idea yeah. that you know, he, he got out of it because he worked through all the things that the toxins were making him right. a, address. So I mean I'm not like I'm fine with that. Okay. No, but like again, I, I'm with Connor that I kind of hate it, but it's also a really cool visual and like representative of him now. Like okay, he's reinforced now and he's ready to take on the Joker, and it's a real cool image for that. You know, uh, yeah, it's a very so, yeah. it's a very new take on a classic Batman kind of moment, right? A classic Batman mm-hmm. action. The you know the, the the giant just bat logo almost looking just shape of him with the cape and then the the covering of the person um because then because the next page he's just carrying her he's just and i actually i like the little joke here where he's like because she's like hey is your head on straight he's like that depends he's like no no, no the, the place is on fire that's not <laughs> that's not hallucinating yeah he's like well then yeah we're good <laughs> yeah uh, and, and it then does... we have the terrible pun the pun on oh, the battery do you know what oh. do you know what i hate it ha- harley's reaction made this work for me Har- Har- him saying I call it the battery and her going no you effing don't yeah. <laughs> made me laugh I think it's the sort of moment where we had a very similar moment in, a, in an issue of Metal recently mm-hmm. but because Metal is so over the top and doing that it made me laugh whereas in here uh, I don't know it didn't quite land as well for me yeah. but no, I-, I liked him putting out the call for Bat family members and you know it says which mm-hmm. ones you want to call or locate and he's just like, I need everyone, you know? Um, this kind of thing. Uh, and then in the last page is actually Catwoman kind of saying, hey, you guys are going to help me, like, help Batman take back the city. And they're like, well, how would we do that? Well, yeah. I could make a billionaire. Which I'm not just the... sure if I mm-hmm. believe she's going to do that, but still. I mean, I think right. she she might if it's what it takes. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Why does Riddler look normal again? Because, because it's not Gillen March. Look was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer, I suppose. I think we were giving Marge the benefit of the doubt that there was a reason yeah. he looked so demented. Um, no. no, no, because he has to start casually look- looking more and more like Paul Dano over the next year or two. True, there's that. <laughs> you know, though, but but from watching the Harley show, I think that's also a, a pretty good version that <laughs> is complete <laughs> opposite of yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it. Honestly, this is Jim Carrey vibes from from Forever. Oh, I can see here. that. Just the uh, suit and the hair. I will say, I think the art's at its weakest when it's at the uh, the Penguin's Lair, uh, this ice place. I think, I think Riddler mm-hmm. and the the surroundings are probably the weakest art in the book. Yeah, Jimenez, Jimenez is really good at actiony stuff, but then even like the dialogue with Bruce and and Alfred was was good because it's not like, but there's not a lot going on. Like I feel like Jimenez needs stuff. Like kinetic. I, I like some thing. of the 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 way the maybe the art itself maybe a little bit stilted in these sections, but I like the pacing of it. Like uh, on the the very first page, you know the the close up on mm-hmm. Scarecrow, and then you know Riddler leaping over the table at him, and then you know the the way Catwoman's kind of just 
relaxing at the bar, but you know, a bit nervously looking up at the. Yeah, the, the I, I don't know. I do like the idea of Riddler getting mad because he's losing at chess to Scarecrow. That that is funny to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, Mike! 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 Attack of the Mike! Uh, just one of my favorite art moments in it. It's actually in the fight with a uh, Harley and Punchline. Uh, it's one of the times where Harley kicks it, and it it kind of it looks like it's straight out of like a manga for a second. Um, but then you know, the, but the panels as she kicks Punchline, the next panel kind of falls with Punchline. I thought that was really smart. Uh, just yeah. some really strong. Uh, I don't know. I mean, pacing. the art is really good. Uh, pretty much overall, I think almost everything with Batman and Bruce is good, or Bruce, Batman and Alfred is good. And I think uh, the fight with Harley and Punchline is good. It's just the stuff with Riddler and that. I just I feel that it, it looks a little bit, I don't know, just a little bit more laney, a little bit more over the top. I and wonder if part of it is the, the dramatic color shift. Because obviously it goes from everything kind of having these bright, strong, dark, you know, like, you know, like mm. deep colors. Uh, but everything in the, and warm colors as well. But obviously in the, in the Iceberg Lounge, wherever they are, um, it's all, you know, blues whites very pale <laughs> well the whole point of this is to hide from the joker i'd like to think that the, the hiding place is not just I mean, the iceberg I mean, lounge. honestly i'm assuming it might just be somewhere under the iceberg lounge knowing penguin <laughs> joker will never find his way you have them in the factory that it's, was a, it's, that the was a pla- it's the last place i'll ever look that was a reference yeah. to the hit television show buff of the vampire slayer when spike kidnaps xander and willow and just puts them in the same layer that he always used before and buffy basically just guesses it good episode Sure. Lover's Walk. It's a good episode. Yeah, but three. Jo- Joker doesn't have those deductive skills. <laughs> well, he's. I don't think he's looking for all of them. He's more focused on creating a war. Yeah, and I think it's worth knowing that I don't think the villains are actually hiding from Joker. They're just hiding out from the chaos. And sure. And yeah. Clear. Um. I mean, you know, I think this arc's been getting better and better, and I, I think mm-hmm. it's this issue sufficiently got me kind of hyped for. The, the payoff to what it's building to um so i don't know if i can re- really say much more positive things than that uh, yeah that's tynan really knows gotham like that's it, it's like him and higgins because higgins is another one that i i trust with with like nightwing stuff yeah. like we could get higgins and tynan doing batman stories if they I'd were like the happy. team on batman and tech that, that yeah. would be a, a great duo All right or even just put put him back on Nightwing, you know. Uh, I don't really you like know? Higgins Nightwing, so I'm not on board That's with this plan. I loved it. it. Um, I loved it. Yeah. It, well, you didn't recognize the Starfire, and you know, oh nowhere, my god. So. <laughs> uh, that was like what, what episode number? That must have been the sixties or something like that. It was ages ago. Way, at this point. way back. Oh, funny. Uh, yep. Um. All right. What are you giving this issue, Batman? Matt? I mean, it was an eight. I really enjoyed this one. Connor? Yeah, 8 for me as well. I'm going to nudge up to 8.5. Uh, I really like this. Uh, I think Batman's uh, the best it's been uh, since Tynan took over. Uh, I'd argue the best it's been since King was at more some of his better uh, sections of his run. Yeah, so, definitely since the courtroom stuff. Mm. I'll say that much. So, no, I think this is a lot. All right. Justice League 52, Jeff Loveness writing with Robson Roca on the art. Uh, I believe I'm the only one who read this because I'm the only one who read the, the first part of this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll be I'll be quick about this. Uh, there's not a whole lot to say. You know, it's a Black Mirror story, uh, focusing mainly on Batman. Although it does have kind of a really sweet ending between Batman and Superman, because obviously it's just a two part. Doesn't have a whole lot of time to 
do anything super great. You've got, you know, Martha in the Black Mercy trying to talk to Bruce saying she wants her son back. And, you know, the art's quite good from Roka as well, which is nice. Uh, there's a great moment where Batman tries to feel strong inside the Black Mercy dream and he kind of turns into a giant sort of more demonic looking version of Batman and says, get out. It's, you know, as if his psyche's kind of fighting back. And she's like, oh, you can't scare me. This is, you know, this is this won't work. Blah, blah, blah. Um, what I think worked about this story for me, which is ultimately this Martha saying, hey, you made this promise and you, 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 she says, you know, my son died that same night. I want my son to live, not this monster that took over instead of him. And I think what made this story work is because it actually ties very nicely into the context of some other stuff in the DC universe right now. Specifically, the hints that we've had in past issues of how Batman feels about Superman uh, revealing his identity to the world. And it kind of, you know, comes up that, hey, don't you believe in a happy end? Don't you believe you could have some sort of life? And, uh, you know, you, you keep building these family members, but you're going to end up cold and alone and bitter and, and all these things. And, you know, as this is happening, Wonder Woman, like, ends up, like, holding the lasso and breaks out of the vines and then she gets, you know, the others out. So they're all kind of fighting. Eventually, when they break Batman out of it, he just kind of stands there as the others all fight the thing and stay all, all fight Black Mercy instead of him. Um, and she tries to show him this world where maybe he can have a happier ending, where he leaves the Justice League, where he actually tries to rehabilitate Harvey Dent and works with, you know, Mr. Freeze to develop cures for things and makes the world a better place and it's a happy Bruce Wayne. Um, and it's the whole idea of him believing in some sort of happy ending um, and he feels kind of guilty for, you know, taking his mind off the mission, off the war that he's committed to for believing in a happy ending. So they, they leave the planet. There's some gorgeous uh, few pages, but there's no dialogue of the Justice League just sort of dealing with everything and running off the planet, flying away. And it ends with, in Gotham, Batman's on a on a ledge, as he often is. Superman <laughs> flies down. And Superman tells him the story of the first time that he ever encountered the Black Mercy. And that it showed that he had a son. And it had, to, you know, it was this was back in the early days of Superman. No one knew who he was yet, other than his parents, obviously. And... He basically, in the years since that first encounter, he, you know, told Lois, he, he now has a son, you know, he has this life, and he basically tells Batman to not feel guilty about actually still wanting better in your life, it's, not, it's just been alive, there's nothing wrong with that, and, you know, I, I used to have, like, dreams about this fictional son that I never actually really had for a long time, because I was consumed with the idea of having a, you know, this better life, and over time he's built it, he, he found that life that he wanted. Um, and that Batman still has time for this. Um, so it's a really sweet thing that kind of ties in nicely to what their relationship's been recently, I think. And it ends in this kind of little moment where Batman asks him, you know, what, what did it show you this time? You know, what, this time when you, you were connected to the Black Mercy? Because we never saw anyone else. We just we see what Batman mm -hmm. saw in the Black Mercy. And he just says, it showed me right now. And it ends in this gorgeous two, full-page spread of them standing sort of, on the sledge side by side. Well, I think Superman's actually floating behind his cape, but whatever. Um, so it's just a, it's just a, I think is a, is a little two part fill in, uh, which is essentially all this just leave book's been for a while is fill ins because it's not got a, a run. Um, right. This is maybe my favorite one of the bunch because it looked really nice. It was tying in nicely to where these two characters are, specifically Batman, uh, and the continuity right now, and made a nice little point and it was kind of uplifting by the end. So. Yeah, I, I definitely it. like the reference for the man who has everything. That's my favorite mm. Superman story. So that's real. I like that he brought that in. 
and it's not necessarily canon now, but the idea that Black Mercy showed him, you know, and that's where we get one of my favorite moments is when he just has enough and fires the heat vision at Mongol, tells him to burn. It's great. Um, but I like that it went with the emotional thing here. It's one of those uh, things where, they, 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 you know, it's, it's as in continuity as you want it to be. So if you believe right. it's in continuity, it's, just go with it. <laughs> right. Uh, so, no, uh, I have a solid eight for me. Uh, I enjoyed the issue. I think Rock is art is very pretty and it, it does let it show off and a number of pages out i think love this knows how to keep the dialogue down to uh what's needed and that's good not overstuff it so it's refreshing for someone who is relatively new to comics mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh yeah I, I saw one of our one of our listeners said they'd love to see him on a on an ongoing and I, i'd be game i, I like this two-parter i like the issue he did on shazam he's got one more on shazam actually is, bizarrely is loveness the person who's doing the uh flash after this. I no, so. no, no, that's a completely different name because I didn't recognize who it was. No, okay, yeah, I just I remembered it being someone. I thought maybe it was this, but nah. Um, so no, eight, eight out of ten for me. Uh, just like I think fifty one and fifty two was a nice little two par. It's not a must read by any means, but if you were reading the series anyway, uh, or what a little two par to read, kind of. Wait, are we sure? Because Loveness is a comes from screenwriting. And I think I remember saying that maybe maybe they both are. Because no, I thought it's, that was the. It's definitely not Loveness on. Guy. It's the first one. Yeah, it's, uh, there okay. was no doubt in my mind. It was never Loveness on that no, on Flash afterwards. No. Um, but yeah, this guy worked on, on Rick and Morty. Uh, apparently, he's doing the Ant Man and Wasp sequel. So. Cool. Yeah. All right. Shazam issue 14, Jeff Johns writing with Dale Eaglesham and Scott Collins on the art. Uh, so it's not the final issue of the book, but it is the final issue of the Jeff Johns uh, story. <laughs> Man, this is such a... Like, I know. People have issues with Johns and Saberboy Prime, and they feel that Prime doesn't have a place in 2020. Although, dealing with people on the internet... I disagree because there's a lot more Superboy Primes out there. <laughs> um, so I feel he has a role. I just don't use him all the time. So I just wish we could have had more. And I know that I'm probably in the minority. I I wish I could have seen Billy in Jerk Bag Superboy Prime interact more. Oh, I mean, I I, I obviously I wanted a long run for this the whole time. It's disappointing mm-hmm. that it's only 14 issues, slightly less because there's a fill in. Twelve. Right? Because there was two... Was it two fillings? Two? No. Maybe there's going to be two. Either way, it's either 12 or 13 issues. Mm-hmm. And it started with such promise. Because um, this, yeah. this issue is fine. You know, it recaps mm-hmm. kind of the Shazam story so far, including the, you know, the, the origin uh, story from the Justice League yep. backups. Um, and, you know, we get fights, you know, we get uh, uh, Superboy Prime, you know, Punches through the heart of scapegoat. Scapegoat is dead. R.I.P. Scapegoat. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> um, yeah. And you know all of the action is fine. You know miniaturized Shazam fighting Mister yep. Mind. Uh, I love how he figures out that he can't do spells without talking. Mm-hmm. But all I could think of was in Harry Potter when Snape's trying to teach Harry the you know the the nonverbal spells. And I was like, man, if Mr. Mind had listened to Snape... I, I don't know if this won. is an intentional thing or if I'm just, like, making a jump here, but the full-page spread where Billy, or Shazam, I should say, smashes the, 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 the radio that he uses to talk, Yeah. 
he yells out no more spells and i was like is this maybe like a weird sort of jab at no more mutants <laughs> the way he's saying it i don't know maybe i don't know it was just a specific uh, phrasing that stuck out to me yeah, yeah yeah but like i so i did like that i liked him using magic because i feel like that's mm-hmm. something that johns has been trying to push since he wrote billy well since he wrote captain marvel back in justice society yeah well, you know, he wanted him to be like this magical type character not just magic superman there's definitely a point here where i was sort of thinking okay so superboy prime's here they've kind of and superboy prime takes out most of the the marvel family he like basically he gets souped up with magic from the the previous brass so he basically punches the shazam out of the others (laughs) he punches eugene and pedro back into being kids yeah like yeah yeah. everyone but uh obviously billy himself um and i was sort of thinking okay so what was the purpose of having this superboy prime tease and having this fight here at the end and the the fight the, the purpose of this, which I think is really good, and I, I would have loved like another arc building to this, like properly with Superboy Prime as the villain. But the point is, is that Captain Marvel and Black Adam have to team up uh, yeah. to fight Superboy Prime. They have to combine their strength to the point where they have to like you know agree to both say the word. And Black Adam's like, yeah, but I'll die very quickly if I you know turn back to my yeah, my I'll true self. And he's like, I promise I'll lend you my magic to bring you back afterwards. And he does, you know, he, you know, you know, so there's this trust that kind of forms and the book ends with Black Adam basically saying, hey, I'll, I mean, that's the say end, it's way before the end, but yeah. he says, you know, as long as you don't come to Kandak, our, you know, our rivalry's done. Like, you know, we'll live, yep. you know, in peace. Um, so yeah, the fight for Boy Prime is what it is. Um, yeah. It's good. And, you know, I do like that at the end, the, the wizard's kind of watching from above and kind of says... Uh, you know, one day they'll redeem the seventh champion, and the final page is showing that the seventh person who's meant to be sitting there at the Rock of Eternity is Black Adam. He's supposed to be the seventh with the family. Right. Which, looking at how Johns has written Adam throughout his career, yeah, is this is his end game. I always feel like Black Adam. You know, for all all his faults and whatnot, like he he is that character that he can do good. And the sad part is, is that I can see the the great like fifty issue run that builds up to mm-hmm. this ending happening. And instead, because I, I really like this ending here, but yeah. it's a shame that we're never, as I don't think we're ever going to get the actual story of getting to that yeah. point. Well, and I also feel like it, it gets into the movie territory as well with his dad, you know, and, and we go over the beats that were featured in the movie and they kind of tease about the mom. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a little it's bit. Like, don't worry, Pete, you'll get the next part of this story uh, from maybe, maybe not from John's, but from someone when the, when the next movie's coming out. Oh, very possibly. But there's a yeah, there's a nice touch here where Shaz- uh, Billy gets to confront his father about his fatherhood, but not as Billy. He does it as Shazam. So right. his dad doesn't know. The last thing he remembers is getting you know taken in Chicago. He doesn't remember anything right. that's happened. And so we get this thing where Shazam asks him a couple of questions, and he gets really you know bad answers. Yeah. So he just lets him go. He lets him walk away from his life because clearly he you is, know his family's what he he's has made a now. Family. Yeah. Right. It's who you make it, and I, and I do like that, and I like that. He chooses Adam, right? Despite all this stuff and, you know, from from what we've experienced, just in this continuity of the character, you know, it's not as much, but it's enough that he does and he he gives him his power. And that's, that's something I always loved about when I was learning about Shazam is, like, he shared his powers with Freddy and with Mary. And that was always a part of it. So the fact that John's you know, has made that how he works. He can split it at least seven times, you know, 
There was a point really cool. in the narration towards the end where, where he's talking about how, oh, we had to go save all the magic lands from the, all their threats. Yeah. And it basically, in the narration box, he describes a few adventures they had. And I'm like, yeah, these were clearly going to be arcs in this ongoing story. Had you he know, written you had, the whole you thing. the Game Master and the, the Wildlands. And... Yeah. Or, or the Darklands <sighs> where they teamed up with Ghost Patrol to defeat Dracula. Like, <laughs> what in the arc? <laughs> I, I want this. Please. Hey, if they're going to do those OGNs, cool. Sure. I'll buy them. Like... I love Shazam. Like, I love this world. Uh, so, but yeah, no, man, it just sucks that it gets up, uh, upended. And I don't know what Johns is doing. I don't know what he's preoccupied with. Uh, Stargirl season two, I expect. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering, you know, but. How, how involved is he in the potential Green Lantern show as well? I think yeah. so. Uh, I said, I remember him being involved, but we'll see. But, it, you know, it is kind of a, a circuitous route for him that he started as Richard Donner's, you know, assistant and then worked yeah. his way to, to comics and now he's working back in tv and in movies you know? it makes sense started on screen come back yeah screen. and i and i get it and i've enjoyed his run in the comics like you can't tell you there's we i'm sure there's some that i've forgotten plot. that i didn't enjoy as much but yeah um, a good what 15 to 20 years of him being consistent yeah so uh man but i just want more you know it's, it's that thing yeah, no. I, I think uh, if you look at the, it's basically the end of the, it's basically 2000, like 2000. Yeah, I mean, well, you had Stars, mm -hmm. uh, Stars and Stripe, which is what, like mm -hmm. 98, 99? Yeah. Yeah. Because well, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of seeing like the end of his Green Lantern and Justice League is kind of the end of his ongoing comic book yeah. sort of tenure. Yeah, which, I mean, that Justice League ran right up until the end of the New 52, right? As under Jones. Uh, yeah, technically it did to 2016, yeah. Well, it, it uh, went to like issue 50. Because the last couple were yeah. were tying to other things that weren't um, the Dark Side War stuff. Yeah, but it was still me because because those last two issues yeah. came actually came after Rebirth. They came like weirdly. Yeah. They did, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, uh, but no, yeah, he took us right there, and just like his his take on Wally is iconic, and him bringing Barry back, and you yeah. know, I mean, so, and then obviously about what seventeen years of him yeah. being very consistently putting out books every month. And you know what? We do have three Jokers right now. We had Doomsday Clock. Mm -hmm. I feel like, yeah, he's probably going to keep doing Black Label minis and things like that. Yeah, it seems like that's where he's going to be now. His days being the wizard of, of the multiverse are kind of, are definitely gone, but he does have these ideas that fit outside of that. Like, yeah. you know, Doomsday Clock in the metaverse. I'm, I'm like, not expecting to see another ongoing from him no. for maybe, maybe in a decade or so. When, right. You know, but again, the situation has changed. He wants to do these Shazam stories and make them, you know, black label graphic or or like the three Jokers where they're three big issues, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah, don't don't give him more graphic novels to do. We still got a we still got a Batman Earth one to come yet. <laughs> sure, but I'd rather have Shazam than that. I mean that's uh, fair, but I just meant on the point of how many years I've been waiting for that now. True, it's, but I mean that's well. Frank too. Like, that is Frank just too. Gone. Yeah, but I mean both of them went. Eh, we'll do Doomsday Clock instead. Which, don't get me wrong, yeah. was better Great than... Great Yeah, yeah, like, I'm 100% confident it's better than And out of those Earth Batman. ones, that the Batman are the ones that I enjoy the most. I still haven't read the Green Lanterns, which I'll get to. Um, but everything else I've read, I've enjoyed. So Yeah, I mean, the first Green Lantern one was good. I, I think the same one came out just a few months ago. Um, it did. I'm looking forward to checking that out. And then uh, I do want to read the Wonder Woman one. I want to read Morrison and Paquette's take on it. Yeah. Was there a volume two recently? I think there was. I think there was. There was a second volume. That one. The first, the first volume is very, very good. 
because it's just Morrison doing Morrison things that that's, I like. That's exactly why I'm looking for it, that. It's I not... suspect he's very untraditional Wonder Woman. No, but it's actually more traditional in who the character is. Like, he understands, you know, the... the uh, what, What's the guy that created her in his uh, psychology? The yeah. Um, the professor. It, it's kind of his take on that and, you know, the strength of femininity versus chauvinism. And, you know, yeah. So if you love super gods, which I know you do. Oh, yeah. It's definitely more in that take of what she represents as a character versus like his stuff. On, stuff. Yeah. Versus yeah. his stuff on Green Lantern is like, let's get weird, you know? So, yeah. But anyways, <laughs> uh, but we, we should reach Shazam, Pete. Yeah, yeah. We've wrapped up the bear. What are you giving it, Matt? Uh, I'm going to give this a 7.5 because um, it's so good, but it just kind of ends. Like, you could just tell, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to end this in a page, you know, and it just... Uh, oh, I'd, to, I'd it, give it a bit more leeway and see. It takes about maybe five pages at the end to just sort of epilogue well, the shit out of it. <laughs> that's what I mean. It just, it, it comes up to that epilogue where you could but, tell there was more. Yeah, but out. of course, unlike, say, Green Lantern, which he also kind of did a similar ending to, that was after such a long run that it felt earned yeah. to do this kind of, you know, and then the legend well, grew from so, here. Kind of thing. There's still stuff there. I mean, when he created Jess and hinted that something's to come with her, and they kind of touched on it, but it was just enough that now we have Jess as a character, hopefully, in the future, you know. Um, oh yeah, but that's, I mean, that's not the point I'm making. The point I'm just making is that no. that came such a such a after such a long run that it was okay to, for me to do these kind of epilogue sort of general statements. Right. Uh, whereas this is after that's, 13 issues, it's not really it. Not, not enough's happened to really feel like yeah. he's earned some sort of big sort of send-off kind of thing. True. Uh, I'll give it a seven. Uh, like I say, I still mm. enjoyed reading it. There's still things to like. Art's a little bit inconsistent. Um, yeah, that, that's the one that got me. But hey. Uh, all right. Young Justice issue 18, Brian Michael Bendis writing with Scott Godlewski and Michael Avon Oming for uh, the art. So... This, uh, I was interested to get this one because I've been kind of a weird place with Young Justice where I actually quite liked the last issue, even though it was kind of, it came at a weird time. Like, it should have been like an issue or two earlier. Uh, this issue, I like probably more than I have in a while because it was really focused. I actually feel like it did something for the characters that it was focusing on, which was uh-huh. which was Steph uh, mainly, but also Tim, um, who at the end of the issue has given up the costume and the Drake outfit. Yep. <laughs> that's my biggest thing is Venice, what was your point wait no, wait no, Drake's no, gone already no there yeah. wasn't no there wasn't a point this was him quickly getting rid of it because he knew everyone hated it I'm pretty sure that's, that's what, what this I is mean. but that's what I mean but in the logic of it is okay I get that you wanted him to be his own per- which again that's a Dick Grayson thing like Tim enjoys being Robin like and I get it you can't have I, yeah, I'm not going to go there. Well, I mean, I've done this argument. Just, just a question. Do you think this is Bendis going, people didn't like this, or editorial yeah. going, change it back now? No. Well, well, because... how, how do you know it's like even the opposite? How do you know that it wasn't editorial that said, give him a different name and an outfit? Well, and that's, this is, this is that's, what he came up with. Possible. Right, and that's my point. It was, was he like low-key being like, I'm going to make it so terrible that they're going well, to beg well, to him to go back to Even if he didn't have some sort of master plan like that, though, was he the whole time, ever since they introduced it, going, oh, God, I hate this so much. Please, I hope I can change it. I, I hope I can change it. I don't know, but let's just take it for what it is. And it was just like, he. it only impacted Young Justice, because they've only ever... But 
like Drake was still such just a low key terrible name, and the costume was very uninspired. It was just like kind of been a slow point for me. Here, let's let's just take it for what it is. And then for him to just to go in the last page of this going, oh, yeah, he's back to Robin now. So he's just just Robin, not Red Robin. Yeah. He's, just Robin. he's just the Robin again. Because obviously, right. as, as we were informed last week, Damien is no longer Robin. Technically, yes, right. that's true. Uh, the, the, I like this issue, though. I, I like the art as yeah. well. I thought it was it was it felt like it played to kind of Steph's classic art style a lot. Yeah, I thought um, well, I, I like, too, that it balanced the Oming versus the Kudluski. Mm-hmm. With what they were doing, you know, it was Steph taking on Clue Master, henchmen and whatnot with Oming. Well, then, well, uh, more specifically, it was uh, assassins who had been hired by her father to take Steph out. Uh, right. So she calls Tim in. Tim's like, we should call in the team, and she's like, "That's not my team." But he calls them anyway later on. So we get kind of like a roll call kind of thing eventually. Uh, but they get after her father, and you know, I I think it, I think it's the Oming art that I really like uh, in this. It's uh, definitely more cartoony, but it fits because. Of the subject matter, they if are it, taking out assassins. It fits Steph. It fits Steph's outfit. It fit, it kind of feels not exactly, but it feels in line with like a two thousands comic, and I sort of yeah. sort of thing I imagine. You know, a lot of uh, Bat family Oming members. Two thousands comics. Who would have thought? Yeah, yeah, but it, no, it matches a lot of what I think of a lot of the Bat character books from that time period. Um. So and even even to the point where there's there's a great uh, thing at the bottom of one of the pages where she's running along a rooftop and some of the narrations in the rooftop itself just it's all black and she's like a silhouette like jumping along the top it feels almost uh like Sly Cooper esque uh, for anyone who's okay. played those games and knows what sort of like tone I'm talking about that's what it kind of feels like with spoiler jumping across the rooftops uh, really fun stuff uh, so it's all about them getting up to the the, the penthouse where the you know where the clue master is and uh, getting to him. Uh, worth mentioning that Naomi is called as member of the Young Justice in this. She, yeah. She's not like a secondary member. She is one of the main team now, uh, which is really cool. Uh, so we get a whole thing where they, they use a grapple on the motorbike to go up the side of the building. They get up to the top. Uh, there's a lot of fighting. Uh, again, her kicking them square in the face and seeing like, all the cheeks kind of scrunch up. Really fun art. Again, again mm-hmm. fun cartoony. Uh, the team show up are like, but you had this handled. This feels like it was a waste of her time. Uh, I I got a mailed kick out of uh, Jenny uh, getting annoyed because like you're interrupting my podcast. It was it was her line, mm-hmm. and I think it was funny because I was imagining it in her accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So uh, the cliffhanger at the end, as they're all sitting having lunch, Robin just happens to be back in. Now, to be fair, Ed sort of teased throughout the issue that Steph hates that costume and the name as well. Uh. And when they, the question at the end, like why the, uh, you know, why his costumes changed and he's got a different name, one of them mentions that it was uh, Batman and Steph that made him change it. Uh, so uh, it, did, it feels a bit rushed. Such a waste. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not so much that it's a waste. It's that we should never have done it in the first place. Yeah. So I, I, I wish if I had one question for Bendis, it wouldn't be about Daredevil or X Men or Avengers. It would be like, yo, <laughs> what happened with Drake? And why? You can tell me. I won't tell anybody. Yeah. Um, this has been one of the better issues because it was so focused. I mean, it helps it was focused on a character that I really like because I had very little page time uh, in the last, like, you know, decade. But, uh, you know, it was fun. It was pulpy. Uh, they did all these things. Um, it didn't feel overburdened with dialogue, like some of these issues. Yeah. And I think part of it was that there was only two characters talking to each other for most of it. Mm-hmm. 
which helped, I think, a lot with that. Uh, and there's a cliffhanger at the end where Cassie, who was notably absent before, kind of crash lands in front of them and says, uh, Zeus has gone mad. Uh, so we're getting a, a Zeus story next issue mm-hmm. with Cassie. Uh, which is cool. Um, obviously, we know the series is coming to an end, and I'm not that sad about it ending, really. Um, no. Because now they, these are starting to feel like one-shots that yeah. are character specific and yeah but the one shot's okay no but they're better than what it was before the arcs yeah weren't that that's good what I mean. that said the the part of me that loves the grand scheme of things when it comes to bendis the whole idea of gem world introducing this crisis that was affecting them and it just feels like it got away from that like we never you know they defeated the gem world stuff and then it's never been brought up again so either he's he's laying out easter eggs for people to find later to play with, or, you know, I don't know, it's just I, a little bit bigger than what it ended up being. I'll be honest, I'm kind of happy it didn't go back to it. I've kind of leaked that Gem World stuff a bit less and less the further we've gotten oh, away I from it. it. I don't um, mind it. I don't know. I, I mean, this issue is kind of the closest to what I wanted a Young Justice book to be. Obviously, you'd have more characters normally, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So it's a shame that maybe he's finally starting to stumble into what I want from a Young Justice book, just as it's about mm-hmm. to end. But, um, yeah. yeah, sadly, it's going to be a run where it's going to be like, ah, well, I mean, it sounded like a great idea on paper having Bendis doing Young Justice, but ultimately, uh, it didn't last that long. The arcs weren't that great. Uh, it was just kind of okay for a lot of it, which is a shame. Um, but yeah, this issue is solid though. If you, if you, you know, if you have been reading it, I think this issue is one that works quite well. Uh, so, what are you giving it, Matt? I mean, it was a seven. It's good, but again, I'm just like, okay, it was, it was a fun book. Yeah, I. Do you know what's so weird is I like this issue, this issue a fair bit more than I have a lot of the issues, but I'm still not tempted to actually rate it like super high. Like, I, it, there's something kind of weird about it. It's, it's almost as if because of what it's a part of now that it can't kind of outlive its shadow of just kind of the weight of what the series has been up until this point. Mm-hmm. So I'm also just going to give it like a, a probably a seven point five. Uh, and that checks out because you did like it more than I did, so. Yeah. Um, but it's still not, like, you know, must-read material. That's kind of the sad part of it, which is kind of what you were hoping for when Bendis was taking on this book. Um, but hey, I still read this issue in, like, The Last Legion of Superheroes, though. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so that's that counts for something. To be fair, you've only got, like, three more left to get through. True, but I wasn't really thinking. I'd for- I'll be honest, though, I'd forgotten about that. I, I only remembered this was cancelled as I was talking about it here. Oh, fair enough. Um, <laughs> it was not really a, you know playing a factor in my decision making. So anyway, Hellblazer Rise and Fall issue one, the final issue that we get, except Connor, which I assume did a Patreon book. He put yeah, he played Red Hood. That's what it was. I, I did tell you yesterday I was going to do it. It's just uh, just I, to prove that you don't listen to me either. Yeah, well, I reclaimed otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> hell blazer rise and fall issue one tom taylor writing with Derek robertson on the art uh black label series uh is this a three issue book uh, it is yes yeah. so it's, it's a oversized three issue pre- premium sort of format all that stuff um yeah so this kind of starts off with the the birth of john constantine uh gives us a key event that happens when he was a young boy uh, and how someone one of his friends kind of ended up dead and then a police investigation with obviously some supernatural stuff going on in the present day. Uh, all set in Liverpool. And 
that's uh yeah what so i mean you're the constantine guy connor so uh what did you think of it first uh, i thought it was all right actually it's not amazing it's very um standard territory for a constantine story you know oh okay there's something from john's past you know him being the the guilty party that he he screwed up something in his past as well you know childhood friend this is all tried and tested constantine material if i'm honest um and not that this is bad uh but i don't think it's special either that's fair um I thought it was okay. It's one of these things, obviously, Tom Taylor is, like, maybe my favourite working writer right now. And Constantine's a character that I have notoriously never really connected with or really been that into. And I think he's fine and, and deceased. You know, be, being there as part of the overall, you know, roster's fine. But once you make the story about him, I kind of agree that even though I've not read a lot of Constantine, just from the small issues I've tried or just watching the, an episode of the TV show... Even I felt like this was just kind of typical Constantine material, you know? Yeah. I, uh, I, I suspect this won't convert anyone. Yeah. And the problem is the the hardcore fans who have read everything will see the elements in this that, frankly, have been done better elsewhere. I mean, I'm not, you know, not this exact story, but this is elements from this run or elements from that story and kind of mashed into one. And it's it's perfectly readable. It's pretty good. And- Here's the thing, I, I ended up really enjoying Red Hood and Unkillables. I thought it was some of the best Jason Todd stuff I'd, I'd read. I actually enjoyed his character in that, which is saying something. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't dislike this, necessarily. Um, I thought the art, I, I like the overall aesthetic of the art. I do think a lot of the faces, uh, Constantine pulls some faces at some points that I thought were kind of... Do, do you want uh, to make me think um, of? This is, this is uh, uh, Robertson in general, because mm. uh, obviously he's done a lot of work. So I think one of his most notable works that he's done is uh, he's the co-creator of The Boys. Okay. And it's his mm. art, his faces in particular, that have always kept me away from reading that, because I just, there's something about them that, I mean, they're not objectively bad. I just don't really like them. They're not that pleasing. I like the, the inks and I like the colouring. So that's, I think that's what I mean when I say I like the overall aesthetic of the art. <laughs> like, I like how it it's feels. kind of moody. Yeah. Uh, but the faces I'm not super into. And I'm trying to find the example that really bothered me because it's quite late on, I think. But there was a, at one point, he pulls a couple of faces and it made me think of, like, something you see like a Men in Black movie where the head's kind of, like, sort of shrunken and the face all feels like it's sort of getting sucked into the middle. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I know what you mean. And it, it, that's the thing. It's generally not bad. There's just the faces sometimes just look a bit off. There's something I think it's mainly around the mouths that I have the problem with Robertson, mm. and it was something I, I was very aware of when I when I you know picked up this book and saw who was on art. I went, oh okay, uh, that's probably going to hold this back for me. Um, but it's not like it's not terrible. It doesn't ruin it. It just doesn't elevate. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, those people being killed uh, with angel wings. They're, they're being like they're on spikes on top of buildings. Um, but someone is like coming and stealing the wings, and they're not real wings either. They're, they're wings that have been attached uh, to the victims. I like the idea that they're putting them on there and having them try to fly. The, 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 the wings are like sewn into the body. They're not yes. just like stuck on or anything. Oh, that's it's, even worse. It's kind of it's like a serial it's killer. Gruesome. Yeah, it's like serial killer yeah. stuff rather than like the, the you know the, the angels or something like that, <laughs> or or even yeah. just that they're the props that they're being put on. Like yeah, and. The, one of the bodies that they find, the second one, is uh, 
and uh, ex-prime minister. Yes, and there's also like that. So that this kid that died in his his youth, uh, there's like a Constantine tried to like summon a demon to impress like uh, his friends. The other friend is this woman who is now a police officer that he, he's kind of working with in the present day. Um, and this this kid died. Uh, the the, the river uh, or whatever. Yeah, ironically, not because of anything Constantine actually did. His uh his ritual didn't work. Hmm. It was more just he dragged them out there in the middle of the night in this storm. And that happened to be when the river flooded, and you know, and, and it had this you know tidal wave that swept them away, and that's what killed the the kid. So he's uh, guilty by having him out there in the night, uh, you know, in, in that place at that time, but not because of any direct action that he did. Yeah. With the, you know, the the magic side of things. And this kid's kind of appear and kind of like a I mean, not a ghost, but like a demonic version of himself, uh, and he kills uh, the the police partner, uh, the woman's police partner. I thought it was really weird. The police partner, uh, I think his name was Gary. Um, yeah. Likeable enough character. Yeah, they, they did uh, reasonable. And I just think giving him enough. Right? There was an intentional dialogue thing, which I think was playing on a Harry Potter joke, uh, where basically Cousin does something with magic, and Gary says, how did he do that? And the woman says, he's a wizard, Gary. And when yeah. I read it out loud, I went, wait a minute, that's intentional. That I said that like Hagrid. <laughs> yeah. He's a wizard, Gary, <laughs> and he's like magician, you know. Just you know, which just proves the point that it was there just for the the reference. Yeah. Uh, also, the thing he does with magic is uh, is he makes the the pub they're in bring him, you know, uh, three three shots of Lagavulin uh, on the house. I'm like, hey, if you're gonna get free whiskey, that's a good choice. So, mm. you know, credit to you. Uh, but the thing I was gonna say about Gary is, uh, like I said, likable enough because obviously the the, the place he gets killed off, just mm. just enough to make you care that he feels like a a reasonably formed character and not just oh he's the cop sidekick um but kind of weird how he dressed exactly the same as constantine like because we see him before we see adult constantine i believe and he's wearing the the red tie and the you know the, the brown trench coat i'm like is he supposed to look exactly like him like this is kind of weird um I mean, strange I choice it never occurred to me to be honest but <laughs> um... I think it's such a like uh, it, it's such an iconic look that, that Constantine has, given that it is, you know, regular clothes as opposed to, you know, a, a superhero outfit. It's, you know, the, the shirt tie and the, and the coat. Yeah. I think putting someone else in his book in the exact same outfit uh, really stood out to me. Uh, kind of weird. I, I don't know if it was an intentional effort to make Constantine seem less unique, maybe. Just make him seem like, a you know, more normal by having other people look more like him. Or, or if it was just something else entirely i have no idea yeah uh we have a cliffhanger where the devil's eating his curry but uh, yeah that, that was uh, another interesting so he gets back to his apartment all the you know the, the magical wards are all broken he gets in there and uh it's it's lucifer and and they actively say you know they, they call him by you know the Lightbringer and the morning star so they, they kind of make it clear that you know it, this is the title but it's not the traditional dc lucifer that i'm used to seeing hmm. this is you know more classic christian theology you know red skin horns devil i'll be honest i i don't know what dc's lucifer normal looks like so it never even occurred to me i just took it as face value what they were telling me um, i mean never, what do you mean you don't know what this looks like yeah. jesus oh, i don't remember like what i mean lucifer on it i don't know i just feel like he's a a big enough character in dc's history that you'd have seen him around and what anything 
I know I don't know specific things that you've read that you'd be in. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it just pops up here and there. Maybe he's popped up in like group shots and stuff, and I've just never or, or don't remember him. But like, he's never featured prominently in a story that I've read. Fair enough. Um, but, I mean, I mean, to be he's... fair, it's, it's, that corner of DC is kind of the one that I don't really tie out in much. No, it's true. But uh, he has a very non-traditional Lucifer look, should we say. I mean, he looks you know, like a guy, you know, a blonde guy. Uh, not red-skinned, not horns, not devilish. Uh, so it, it's this the, is it, an interesting choice to me. It's the Vindaloo. He's eating that out of date Vindaloo. I'm not supposed to do it. Yeah, yeah. Making them all red. Um, this is very readable. Obviously, Tom Taylor is a good writer, so everything flows really well. It's uh, just the right amount of text. It, it you know, it, it feels it makes you like the characters. The, the, you know, the one who dies and even the friend. They feel very likable in their appearances. Um, but it's it's not enough to really win me over as wanting to read more Constantine. So as as shocking as this is to say, uh, I'll think I want to read uh, <laughs> more. And it's not it wasn't a short to read, but it was like a fifty odd page book, and. You know, if this comes out again in a week where there's, you know, a reasonable number of books, it's the easy one to cut. And it's also, you know, expensive. It's a $7 book, so... Or $8 book, even. I don't know. I can't remember how much it was. I, I have a hard time remembering because of the, the UK prices. Are because of the different. conversion, yeah. it makes it murkier. Yeah. yeah, it was like six fifty, I think, on UK prices, but... Yeah, I think, um, think that's an $8. I don't Anyway. Um, uh, I kind of agree with everything you just said there, though. It's It's very much kind of baby's first Constantine book. Yeah. Uh, and there's not really anything that makes it black label all in the page format. Like, this could have easily just been a mini. And... Uh, I mean, in terms of if you count black label as the more adult line yeah. things, then uh, yeah, I think that I don't think that we're not censoring any swearing if there was much. I don't think there was too much, though. And admittedly. that's Constantine in, uh, in a nutshell, though, right? Like, he's always vertigo. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Until, the, you know, the, the last decade or so. Yeah. Right. But that's what I'm saying up to, up to that. But, I mean, there's some fun, like, violence parts. Like, there's the, the first guy who's stabbed up as an angel on a... He's on, like, a church spire. Uh, and, like, you know, the, the wind things that they have on the top. Mm-hmm. He's, he's stabbed through one of those. Even, oh, even though he falls off and, like, his head splats on the floor and yeah. just explodes. Yeah, this, the splat is kind of fun. It made me... It was, even though it's not the exact thing that happens, it was making me think of uh, the scene in Hot Fuzz. Me too. Uh, just because of the church spire and the splat. I think, I think it's the, the, it is the church spire and the, and the head splat, even though it's very different in terms of the context. Yeah. Uh, I do love Hot Fuzz, so I mean, I'm not going to be mad about thinking about Hot Fuzz. <laughs> uh, he's a slasher of prices. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's all right. But um, I, I mean, I don't really care about reading more of it. And that's saying something when it's a Tom Taylor book. And I don't think it's because he did a poor job. I think it's perfectly fine. Right. But. I feel I made a good decision by choosing to watch Mark Stone highlights. <laughs> I don't it's, it's know what that fun. is, but no. <laughs> did it? Did it have the one where he, uh, where, where he was a uh, stick on the floor to, to steal that yes. one last night? Oh, that was so good. Yes, it was there. One of the best plays of the game, hands down. Yep. All right. Well, hold on. That's, that's goes the other way. Let's rate yeah. this book before things go too off topic here. Uh, what are you rating it, Connor? Uh, I'm gonna give it a seven. I think it's perfectly good. Uh, I don't think anyone would have made a bad choice in reading this. Um, but I think there's probably other Hellblazer things you could read instead that would be better and frankly, better value for your money in terms of the way they've been putting out those thick trades. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually agree with the seven. I think it's perfectly fine. Like, I, I think it looks perfectly fine except for the faces, but there's a lot of other qualities there that are nice enough. 
Uh, it's well written enough. It's just nothing exciting or special, or it makes me care about Constantine himself specifically. Uh, yeah, and, so and I'm good. I, I come in as someone who does care about Constantine and go, yeah, I mean, it's, it's okay, it's fine. There's more Constantine. It, I could read it, it. It makes you want to, when it's done, get reading it as mm-hmm. a collected, because uh, someone that's not that familiar with Constantine sounds like it'd be my thing, but I'd rather just wait for it to be collected it, and buy it then. I feel like by the end of this, this could be like, the Constantine equivalent of Hush. For, you know, what you do with, like, mm. for Batman fans. Like, here you go, here's Hush. That'll give you a solid starting like, point. This could be like, that by the end. Sure. Sure. All right. Uh, so apparently we have a Patreon book. Every month on patreon.com slash TV. some of our patrons at the, one of the higher tiers can make me or Connor read a book. Uh, <laughs> I just love your guys' way of communicating where Connor don't listen to you and you don't listen to Connor, so now we do a Patreon book. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, Connor, I assume it's doing a Red Toad Outlaw issue, but you it is away. because uh, because we actually had a couple of busy weeks last month because of all the crazy news uh, mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I actually owed an extra issue. Uh, oh, so this is last so month's Red. This is last month's one. Okay. Uh, so this is uh, issue forty-seven. Uh, it's still uh, Lobdell writing for you know a few more issues uh, and Pantalena uh, <laughs> on art still. Um, who is I've been describing as the knockoff Rockerfort, and I think this is his weakest issue yet, uh, honestly. Uh, it's, Uh-oh. It's, it's not too hot. Uh, in terms of the art and that things, the writing, I think, was worse last issue. Uh, not that this is good, <laughs> but it, it doesn't have that stupid joke about the shoe that I still don't understand. So, you know, it's a step up. Uh, but I, I hated this issue from the first page because I, you know, Open up first page, and it's the new 52 Outlaws team. And it's, you know, Starfire in that atrocious new 52 outfit that Outlaws had her in. Which and... one? Uh, the space one? Yeah, the space bikini. Okay. Not when she assumed it, assumed uh, the captainhood of her ship. That suit was cool. No, no, no just was... just the one where it comes up over the sides of her boobs and there's nothing else there. Yeah, the one was like, hey, look at Corey, isn't she hot? And it's like, there's more to this character than this. Yeah. Damn yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, it's that. <sighs> uh, so, it, you know, it starts, it is obviously a flashback. We have a couple of pages of them walking through this uh, chamber of all, I think it was called. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm forgetting all the technobabble, uh, if I'm being honest with you. Um, but it's, again, this place that it's like a, a mythical maze that will take you anywhere or any when. Um, but and they're they're wandering through it in the past, and Roy opens up a door, and there's some like demons behind it. It's like nope, not that door. Uh, but, but that's all we get of that uh, flashback right then. It's it's kind of irrelevant, other than to set up that they were in here at one point, uh, and that's it. Uh, but then we have the the present day. Uh, the one good thing I will genuinely give this comic, which I think I've said before, is we start with a uh, a full page. Sp- Spread of the you know full page of the lineup of you know all the characters in there. We got we got Jason not uh, not Bizarro but he's because he's somewhere else. But we got Jason Artemis, uh, Essence, and then we got Saru and General Glory. And I appreciate that the one thing that I do appreciate in this book that I wish more books did is it you know this is the first issue uh, first appearance in this issue. Even though we've had most of these characters for um, multiple issues, obviously some of them the entire run. Uh, it still gives us okay. Here's a box with this is their name. Quick, you know, one sentence intro of who they are for right now. Mm-hmm. 
again, just in case, uh, I don't know who's jumping in at issue 47, but I, I appreciate it anyway because I don't remember half their names. I wouldn't have remembered Essence or General Glory, uh, you know, so th there is that. Um, but then you, you... I don't know who starts at 47, but you're bold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, you've just got them doing some fighting and stuff and trying to do whatever they're doing. Uh, they've got the obelisks that they're, they're opening a portal to hell. And speaking of hell, that's where Bizarro is fighting Trigon, uh, which is how we ended the last issue. Do not like how Trigon is treated in this issue, like an absolute chump. Um, and it, it's basically, you know, he's got Bizarro pinned. Bizarro uses his freeze vision, because obviously he's the first powers for anyone's forgotten uses freeze vision on Trigon's hand and then just punches it and smashes his hand. It's like, see, this is easy. And all of Trigon's demon supporters are like, like literal dialogue from the from the demons, I want to point out. Whoa. <laughs> is this the end of Trigon? Let us pray. That is actual dialogue from four demons. Well, luckily Tom Taylor's getting his Trigon right now, so... You have to be concerned with the, the Red Hood version of things. <laughs> so bad. That was terrible. <laughs> I was sort of thinking about that for a good 30 seconds there. I was trying to... Still, <laughs> still better than that shoe thing, though. I, I mean... What shoe thing? It's the, the, the shoe shoe thing from last issue about the, the spelling yeah. and the pronunciation. Oh, okay. Yes, I, I remember now. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so they're having a bit of a fight, J Jason Armors and that. They're all, they're all you know trying to stop the obelisks and whatnot. And then they close the the portal to hell, and they're like, okay, sorted. We close off this entrance to the uh, chamber of all maze. Um, but as they're closing it off, they're like, but Bizarro's still in there. And it's like, um, yeah, I'm sorry, you know, you know, well, he, he's making a good sacrifice here. Uh, but as they're trying to close it, that you know, Jason's like, I don't know. They're getting overrun, so he pulls out his magic sword and starts trying to fight some demons. And who should show up to provide a hand with but some arrows through the backs of these demons that Jason's about to fight? Starfire. Because Starfire <laughs> is there, yes. Um, ah. I, I almost feel like he didn't listen to the start of this review. Because no, uh, no. <laughs> he got confused because he didn't recognize that name. Yeah, yeah. It just blanked. But I, don't, I was just trying to think of someone who wasn't an archer because I thought it'd be funny, but go on. Yeah, it's, the problem it's is Zombie Starfire Roy because he's there. the only person. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, the Go problem ahead, is because Starfire is there because it's the new Fifty Two team again. Right. From the start of this issue, because it, it it did set up they can be anywhere or any when, so it's some time travel shenanigans, I guess. And um, anyway, the 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 final couple of pages of the issue is back into hell. Uh, Bizarro fighting uh, Trigon. Uh, he does this thing where he jumps through Trigon's chest and seemingly picks out his heart. Assuming Trigon has a heart. I don't really know. Uh, I mean, it, it looks like a heart. Uh, I, I, I do have a problem with the art. There's this thing where you see it a lot with acrobatic characters. Dick Grayson does it a lot where they want to show the, the traversal, the movement. So they'll do like the, the transparent you know, panels of the sequencing you know, to show the, the flip, for example. They'll do like three or four panels. Uh, three or four, not even panels. Just three or four instances of Dick Grayson kind of moving through the motion. They kind of do that with Bizarro here, 
but they just do one at the start and then one at the end. And I don't know if it's supposed to be like a super speed thing, and but and there's like an after image, but it's a weird effect and it doesn't look that great because of the. I think this is this is partially a weird coloring thing because, um. Obviously, they make it like transparent, so it's see-through. But they make it more transparent than they usually do when they do this, because usually it's kind of just grayed out. You can see through it, but the, you can still make out the colors. Like on Dick Grayson, you can still see the blue or the red, whatever, whenever it was. Uh, whereas this here, it's just like an outline. Uh, and then when you see through it, you've got Trigon, who's red, and the Flames of Hell, which are red. So it it kind of just has a weird effect, but it's very uh very murky. Um, not a fan of it. And then it's the, the the very final panel is Bizarro in front of a fallen Trigon holding his heart, saying, whoops, that escalated quickly. Trigon? More like Trigoth. That was somehow worse. <laughs> that moment was my greatest accomplishment Trigon, ever. Trigon, Trigoth. <laughs> it says uh, it says next time we can't imagine but it arrives with smoker door and i couldn't think of who that was hmm. i had a bit of a blank so right with what door. I, 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 I just hope there's no hard feelings that the trigons can be trigons uh... <laughs> but it's a 2.5 we can wrap this up and end, end the i'm glad this is almost over so we can be trigon in 60 seconds <laughs> Whoa, see, masking it on it. I love it. <laughs> you know, you know what they could call the Raven story? Mm-hmm. Trigon Girl. <laughs> I would just like to say, all of Matt's been better than all of Pete's. Uh, I don't mind. <laughs> I, if, you, if you think being good is the, the, the objective here, Making you wince in pain at how bad they are is part of the fun. That's also how the writer of that book feels. So, <laughs> uh, I am I am at a point where I do feel like this is being written just to spite me. True, because it probably is. Yeah. Uh, geez. Okay. All right. This is the part of the show where we pick our favorites of the week for panel slash moment. Favorite cover, favorite, the top five, all that stuff. Um, all right, so uh, best panel slash moment of the week, Matt. What is your pick? Um, so I try to I try to pick other things, but I can't help it. It's going to come from Strange Adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's that image of Alana on the on the balcony that it opens up and Washington's before her. Um, it's a really good. Garrett's is really good. Oh yeah. But it could have been anything from here too. Cause because Shaner's really good too. <laughs> so, um but it, it could have been also from Jimenez in, in Batman. I think the Harley and Punchline fight is really good. Mm-hmm. And I liked a lot of the stuff with Bruce and Alfred, so but it was gonna be from Strange Adventures. All right, Connor. Uh mine is from Deceased, and I can describe the panel in one word. I knew you'd say that. Uh, I mean, from me. <laughs> Just try going harder, okay? Um... <laughs> I feel bad for anyone who skipped over that part. I know, I, know, I don't get why I'm making bad try going puns. Uh, <laughs> Just try and try going again, okay? Um... 
you're reaching now. I know, I you're know. Really reaching. Uh, mate, I have to go with the end, Batman. Uh, the, the build up to that moment, uh, the emotional weight of him saying he's the whole family and taking back who he is, and then just the the way the art builds up to it, uh, it's, it's basically perfect. So yeah, Batman gets the pick for me. Uh, look at that, we had moments from three different books there. Uh, good That's stuff. Good. Uh, best cover of the week. I'll jump in here first. I will say that. There's two Matina covers this week. There's a Matina Batman cover and a Matina uh, Deceased cover. Uh, both are very good. Uh, but I'm actually going to go with the, the Garrett's cover for Strange Adventures. Uh, I think I have to go with that. So, that's my pick. What's the, what's the Matina Deceased cover? Where's that? It's, uh, it's really cool. It's Cassie. It's got the white and the red uh, behind oh, her. Oh, that is nice. With with zombie Wonder Woman in the corner. Yeah. Mm, that That is very nice. Uh, Kara, you're up. Uh, I'm just... I hadn't noticed that one, so I'm just looking at the, the, the uh, I've got three that I like, and I think I think I know which one I'm going to go with. So the other ones that I do like, I'll just mention the Justice League variant, the, the Darrington one, mm-hmm. always good. Uh, out of Strange Adventures, I actually prefer the, the Shana cover this time. I really like that. Um, but what I am going to go with is the Hellblazer variant. The uh, Bamejo image is just gorgeous. Uh, okay. I, I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt. Yeah, um, it's gonna be the Garrett Strange Adventures. It's I already talked how it looks like an old detective novel. Sure. Um, you just put a couple of different things there, and yeah, it's really good. Oh. All right. Uh, best art of the week then, uh, as if it could be anything but one book. But uh, Car. Yeah, it's Strange Adventures. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, Jimenez does a a good job in Batman. Oh, a very good mm-hmm. job. I think that undersold yeah. him a little bit. Um, but the 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 Gerrards and, and Shayna combo have just been knocking out of the park every single issue. Yeah, it's the one two punch. It's uh Trigon with the wind, as they say. Um as I say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I say they do not say that. <laughs> they would if they had a half a brain in their heads, the fools. Uh Matt, why are you picking Strange Adventures? <laughs> yeah, I wanna to give to him in but Connor stole all my points. Um I really like him in his, but you can't beat the one two punch of Shayna and Gerrards. Especially on this one. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. No, it's Treasure Adventures. Uh, it's phenomenal, both sides of it. Uh, the fact that we sat and analysed the art in that, uh, to an extreme degree, every issue is because the art's just mm-hmm. in that, that level, both in storytelling and in quality of the images. So, uh, there you go. Uh, so then we have uh, top five books of the week. Matt, you will kick us off. Yeah, so number one's going to be Strange Adventures. Number two's going to be Batman. Number three is Dead Planet. Four, Shazam, five is Young Justice. Bill Connor. Uh, Dead Planet. No, no, Strange Adventures, then Dead Planet. They're pretty close, admittedly. Uh, then Batman, then Hellblazer. Cool. Um, it was actually quite close for my number one, to be honest, um, between Strange Adventures and Batman. I'm still going to eke out to Strange Adventures, but Batman kind of came close for me this week. It was, it was making me feel some really type superhero feelings. But Strange Adventures, you know, has the depth and whatnot. So, number one is Strange Adventures. Number two is Batman. Number three is Deceased Dead Planet. Number four is Justice League. And number five is... Yeah, probably Shazam. This is kind of a toss-up, though, with Shazam and Young Justice there at the fifth place. Oh, man. For the first time, I didn't read the most books. <laughs> it's not the first thing there's been 217 episodes though Matt. i'm pretty sure well, at some point for the first time in a while yeah 
<laughs> Someone's going to go back and do the, do the detective work. Do the detective well, let's work. Do it. Yeah, all right. So that is uh, that is our, our picks for the week. Uh, so some good stuff there. And I think it was. I think you know the, 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 those, those top three books that we all read uh, were all pretty great and had some good discussion. Yeah, I mean, even my fourth book was Hellblazer, which, you know, was the lowest of my four mm easily the lowest of my four but it was still like you know perfectly good enough read so yeah what's coming next week then we have the flash 761 wonder woman 762 nightwing 763 no i'm joking just because it was going up one by one uh nightwing 74 uh superman 25 just like odyssey 24 joker harley criminal sanity number five i'm actually looking forward to that coming back i enjoy that that's, that's interesting yeah. i just saw that one. Oh, i forgot about that Kind of... Yeah, no. Um, I read that casebook thing, which was a waste of time. Um, so because it's been like what four or five months, I just saw this one. Oh, oh yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you both down in this? You both the way I read this? No, time? no, no. I'm still gonna read this. Uh. I just that casebook thing they put together to hold, you know, over. It was just kind of like a DVD extra. I, I mean, I, I saw what it was and just skipped form. it. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I didn't. <laughs> I'd be more judicious on what I picked up. Anyway, uh, back to the back to the list here. Uh, Green Lantern season two, issue seven. Uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal, Trinity Crisis issue one. So we got our uh, next one shot tie in, and those have been actually surprisingly and solid so far. This is one of the ones that's more important than the others because this was, you know, the last issue of Metal directly set up this, uh, you know, this plot thread. Yeah, we got yeah, Hawk Snyder. Oh, go ahead. Hogman twenty seven, Batman the Outsider sixteen, and that wraps up. So that's the list that's, that books is coming next week. So, so Snyder said on Twitter, I think it was yesterday, that this uh, Trinity Crisis, while you don't have to read it, you can pick up the next issue of Death Metal, and they'll touch on it. It is better, and he's like, I'm not just trying to sell books. Um, it is going to be better because of the stories they they put time into and the creative teams and whatnot well, i believe so, this is one of the books that are tackling them actually doing the plan which is set up last issue yeah. so they feel a bit it's, more necessary it's, than it's otherwise this would. one that's doing the plan and then you've got the flash book which seems like it follows up on the flash stuff that we had yeah. in, in the last issue so now. all the one shots this month do feel kind of maybe not essential but relatively important if you care about it <laughs> yeah hey, hey pete are you uh you jumping down on hawkman issue 27 for some some jsa action no, probably not. No. Oh, man. I'm, <laughs> so, I'm so stupidly excited. It's easily the book I'm most excited for next week. Like, it's not Me even too. close. No. I mean, I, I wish I wish I was like, into it. I wish I cared, but I just wasn't into the start of the book, and I, I, I dropped it. Oh, it's been so freaking and now, good. And now it's almost ending, and it's 27 issues in. I, 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 you could I, have three issues of JSA stuff. Three is a little uh, JSA mini featuring Hawkman. <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be capping off his run so far, so there's going to be things that don't mean anything to, to me. And... To be fair, I think most of the stuff in his run was capped off in the last issue, which did close yeah. off like a, like everything that the first issue it had been building. sent him to their favourite life, basically. And it's the JSA, and that is so stupidly exciting for me. Especially because I loved... No, I wouldn't say love. I really enjoyed his Freedom Fighters. And so there's this pulp aspect that I know Venditti really likes. And now he gets to do that with, with open original Sandman. It's come it's on. So yeah. Well, that's what's coming next week. Uh, hopefully along with fandom news uh, and solicits for, uh, what do we call it? 
we should have solicits barring them holding them till after fandom. They may hold them. Unless, again, I said this last time, but unless all the announcements are more pertaining to January and the start of the year and the solicits are just going to be kind of normal, then we'll have solicits because as a normal thing. At and then... the very least in the solicits where you're expecting the uh, endless winter. Because we know that's December. They've been teasing that. That's true. That's true. Which it, it makes sense that we're going to talk about that at fandom. So they may hold the solicits for a week just so they can very reveal possible, stuff. Yeah. Uh, but we should actually get that news on the show. If it's not there early on the show, we'll have a new segment at the end about all yeah. the stuff that's dropped and during the recording of the news. Just uh, just before we finish, uh, Comixology and, and Marvel have a thing right now where every single Black Panther issue ever is, yes. is free. I have no idea how long for they haven't really which, said. It's not in a sales section. Just search for Black Panther. led to me discovering that there is a 150 item limit in the cart on Comixology. Yep, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but it's like you know, hundreds of dollars worth of content there that there is no reason for you not yeah, to go and get. As no... long as that sale is still running when you listen to this. Yeah, I have no idea when I'm ever going to get around to reading any of it, but I have no hundreds of issues of Black Panther on yeah, my account. Yeah, the coats, uh, Black Panther stuff, top quality stuff. Especially if you've been if you've been enjoying his Captain America work recently, definitely worth checking out. Yeah, which I have. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's all free. Uh, not trades though; it's just a single issue, so you do have to. I mean, luckily there's an add all to cart button which you can make right. yourself. But uh, yeah. as a single issue, it's not the trades. But still, it's everything. <laughs> so go, go and claim it. That uh, reminds me, Connor. I need to get caught up on Captain America. I think I'm maybe one issue behind. If one came out yeah. in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm one or two behind. So I was really enjoying that. Mm-hmm. Same with Immortal Hulk. I gotta get. So that. I've been bad. And I've just been watching hours and hours of hockey every week. Uh, yeah, I know. I can't help that. it. Uh, anyway, so let's wrap this up so I can go get some food. So that has been episode 217 of Comics from the Multiverse. You can let us know what you thought of all the books and the comments. Please do hit like on the uh, the YouTubes. Uh, like button super important. It helps us find new people, as does rating the podcast and leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month of September. Um... So thank you to, oh, that's peering a little bit on Matt's face there, uh, my little list. <laughs> so thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palisades, David Sharp, Bordenow, Al Tribesman, Christopher Moy, and Brett Williams. Uh, to all those guys and gals, they are Patreon producers. That means they're $20 or more on patreon.com slash TV. but you can support us over there financially for as little as $1 per month and get some bonuses. At the $5 tier, you get early access to the, the, the show by a day. Uh, same with previously when we got a new episode of that out which is kind of hit and miss as to when it actually comes out but it does come out we had one just this past week so uh you hopefully enjoyed that that's me and car talk about old dc comic runs and working our way through some stuff so go and have a look at all that um and also look at the youtube page mailfuzz tv uh just for other content that we have and a lot of that is available via podcast audio podcast as well uh but you'll find the horror movie podcast screams after midnight the sci-fi movie podcast the atomic cinema experiment uh, perhaps most relevant is me and Connor reviewing the episodes of The Boys, uh, or more recently uh, we wrapped up uh, The Umbrella Academy, Season 2, uh, we did Season 1 of Stargirl, of course, all all 13 episodes of that reviewed one by one as it was coming out, so maybe you're interested in that some of that content. Uh, so go and have a look. Uh, but otherwise, that is us. Uh, so get us on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast for updates and shenanigans. Uh, you can send emails to mftvquestions at gmail.com. Uh, which sometimes we'll, you'll use if there's a week where we want questions. Uh, that won't be this week because we're expected to have some news next week, obviously. Uh, but yeah, so thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics, guys. And remember to never get lost. And if you try going really hard, you won't.
and the speed force. You ruined my Trigon. <laughs> I'll let Trigons be Trigons. <laughs> I used that one earlier. <laughs> <laughs>